Uh, meteor crashes, I think also in Florida, actually, but everything's going wrong in Florida in these horror movies. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Dice Like Ice, episode 20. I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the Dr. Jekyll to my Mr. Hyde, Andrew Mitchell. That implies that we're one person, but like... I, I mean, the fact that we pretty much pick everything the exact same way kind of supports that. I mean, sort of, kind of. Case Staggering, in point, every time yeah. we ordered food in the past month when we were together... We get wildly different tastes in Warhammer armies, at least. <laughs> at least there's that. That's 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 how we, we know we're not just one being that's done a fusion dance together. Oh. Oh, man, I could have done that. I could have done my uh, the uh, the Goku to my trunks. Why trunks? Wait, weren't those the, who did the fusion? Goku and trunks? No. It's Goku or Gohan and, and trunks. Jesus. Jesus. Get your 90s nerd anime together, Tony. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was that was childhood, man. Oh. Getting uh, getting home from school and watching Toonami. Yeah, I fucked that up. I, I could have done yeah, uh, right. Goku Vegeta or Goku Piccolo. I think I've done Goku Piccolo. No. I, I feel like done I've done a DBZ one. Yet. Well, now that we've brought it up, if you haven't, you have to save it for way later. Yeah, that's fair. That's, I'm going to do it next episode. Fuck you. <laughs> you just have to pull out a really weird one. Uh, the, the boot of my Mr. Satan. <laughs> the tea into my Yamcha. Oh, God. <laughs> I think it would be Chiaotzu on that one. You're just fucking up everywhere, Tony. Jesus. Would it, would it be tea and Chiaotzu? Yeah. That was like their whole shtick. I don't know. I try to block traumatic things from my brain, and God knows those three were Yeah, I'm also, I'm also not very into anime. I just watched Dragon Ball a lot as a kid. Yeah. The uh, the Griffin to my guts. Sure, we we can go with that one. You know Berserk. It was Berserk. Everyone knows Berserk. Yeah, I've read Berserk. Okay. I I, I reread the whole thing after I heard of uh, the the author's passing, which was pretty unfortunate. Yeah, that kind of sucked. Yeah, uh, his studio did say that they're going to go ahead and like continue his vision. Apparently, he left really good notes on where it was going. So you know, that's something to maybe look forward to. Hopefully, they don't fuck it up. Uh, well, here's to hoping. Anyway, anyway, back on topic. Hey, Andrew, do we have a sponsor yet? <laughs> yes, I think we do. Uh, as always, we are sponsored by Grip and Rip. I Another barely bottle. heard yours. Mine wasn't quite as satisfying. Yeah. Hang on, I gotta do the same thing as last time. Let me get out my nice coaster and... Yeah. Oh, the bottle get again? audio texture. Yeah. What you drinking, What are we drinking today, Tony? Nope, nope, you oh, go Oh, I asked you first. No, I asked you first. Right, I can edit it where I guarantee um, I ask you first, and then you look like the asshole. That's true. <laughs> he holds all the power. Uh, we're keeping it spooky. I, uh, I I bought a multi-pack, and I'm on the last one from the beer I had last time. It's It was like a, a it was like an 18-pack or a 20-pack or something. There was a lot in there. Um, so it's Elysian Brewing yet again, and today we are drinking the Great Pumpkin, Imperial Pumpkin Ale, which is... Uh, I've had this one a couple of nights ago and uh it's kind of in the ballpark i like a sam adams oktoberfest but more alcohol essentially it's an 8.6 percenter so it's like Ooh. this one's not nearly as fun as the the werewolf one that i had last time which was all chocolatey and cinnamon and stuff but uh you know 
it's it's your kind of kind of typical like Halloween Oktoberfesty kind of beer. Well, how about you? What did you get? Well, mine is not Halloweeny at all, though technically it's a seasonal brew. Uh, I bought just yeah. a big variety pack of beer a while back, and this is also the last one because I've been dreading this one because I'm not really looking forward to it. Oh, fun. It, it is 21st Amendment Breweries Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer with Watermelon. I have had that one before, and I like it, which doesn't say anything for how much you'll like it. <laughs> it's a wheat beer. I enjoy a good wheat beer. It's a 4.9%. Let's, uh, let's give it a taste here. Um, that's different. Yeah, it's not like overwhelmingly watermelon or anything. It's just kind of like a, I don't know, it's more in the ballpark of like a shandy or something. Than, it's it's like I took a, wi- a swig of shock top with a watermelon Jolly Rancher in my mouth. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's not one I get often, but I've had it before. It's not bad. It's, it's not. It's a lot better than I expected. I'm going to put it that way. It's a yeah. lot better than I expected. <laughs> eh, 21st Amendment's usually a pretty good brewery Most yeah. of the stuff I've had from them I've enjoyed Well I'm just excited because this marks that I get to get A new pack of variety random beers To try Yeah I'm just about like this I have like two other beers in the fridge after this One of them is still the um, the uh, Rocket Pop beer that I got In summer like 12 podcasts ago So <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you try that one On the show already? No I had it Okay. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's still from that same six pack. Gotcha. I, uh, I drank like, I drank like three of them and never actually finished it. So they're they're still rolling around the back of my fridge. I know. Out of the two twelve packs I got, I am down to my final two of the lumberjacks, uh, cherry limeades. Ah, they, were, they didn't have them last time so I went to the liquor good. store. You, um, you got the last of them. I, I probably did. I hit two different places to get two different packs. Uh, remind me on Wednesday, Andrew. I'll try and bring you one of my last two. All right, I will try to. Because it's that good. Just share it with the world. Share it with the world. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, so it's been a little bit since we recorded, uh, as is tradition. So, Andrew, what you been working on? Oh, hobby progress. Well, um, I got a decent bit done in our almost month gap between recordings. Um, starting off, I finished all of my, uh, my 90s metal dwarves from oh, Games yeah, Workshop did. that I picked up at Nova. So I could use them as a band in Frostgrave. <laughs> Super simple paint scheme I chose on them. Went by really quickly. Mostly just a lot of like brown for leather, metal for chainmail, that sort of thing. Um, just kind of a basic steel look uh, for like the flat like breastplates and stuff like that. I did a, a wash of blue on them and then dry brushed more lead belcher on top of it just to give it kind of a uh, not necessarily like enameled look or anything, but just like, you know, differentiate it from just basic metal. Uh, so that was pretty fun. I tried a little bit of OSL lighting on a couple of dudes. One has a uh, a lantern on his belt. Another one has a candle on his helmet. I love that. Uh, so I love that, was, that doofy shit. I'm so for it. Uh, it was a uh, it was pretty fun. I uh, I the process went faster than I expected and looked better than I expected. So I might continue trying that uh, on an almost finished project that I have. Um, so yeah, the only, only thing I have left to do on them is paint the rims black and add snow effects to the basing because it's frost grave. The whole shtick is it's a frozen city. So, you know, got to be thematic. Um, but yeah, other than that, they are done. Uh, next up, I finished my Chaos Legionnaires Warband for Warcry, uh, the, the Bellicor's Chosen guys. Ton of fun painting them. Really, really cool, like, gladiator-style models like most of the Warcry stuff is. Um, they're the ones I might try some OSL on because I did lava bases on them, but the, the 
actual models don't have any uh, lighting effects on them or anything. Sorry, this beer has got me very burpy. I'm yes, getting a lot of pauses between sentences. Sorry, sorry. Trying not to do a, a large belch into the microphone. Um, so yeah, I finished them up. I finished up the uh, the Chaos uh, Centroid Marshal or whatever. Same kind of basing, did lava. It's just what I'm doing with all my Slaves to Darkness stuff. Um, uh, 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 same thing with the Ogroid Myrmidon. They, they've all been sitting on my shelf for like a month at this point. Just finished painting. I just didn't actually get around to basing. So uh, Sunday, I just sat down and based a lot of projects. Uh, which, speaking of, the next one was my Chaos Knights. I finished off the uh, the starter set that came with the two War Dogs and the one normal Chaos Knight. Uh, got them based and done. Uh, there's a few more things I'd like to do to them. I want to add a few more, like, you know, skulls, obviously. It's Warhammer. Put those on the base. Mm-hmm. More Chaosy shit. Maybe do, like, some vehicle wreckage or something. Uh, I still want to do some transfers because the Chaos Knights box does come with a, um, a House Herpetrax can- transfer sheet, so I, I need to nice. practice on those a little bit. I keep saying that. I have multiple things that need transfers, and I haven't actually practiced for it yet. So once I get around to that, they will get some nice logos on their shoulder pads. Uh, I started on my Leagues of Votan box, I uh, have everything completely assembled and primed. I've pretty much finished the Hearthkin tonight. Uh, the only thing I really have left to do is finish their um, uh, the lenses on the helmets and like the domes on the Ironkin, which are the uh, the robots with the kind of Robbie the Robot helmet. Um, so I got to do that to make them look like they're glowing. And I think I'm going to do like emoticon faces on the robot ones just because that makes me laugh. Oh, um, like uh, the, what was the fucking robot in Fallout? Fallout 3 in Ur New Vegas. Fuck. Oh, uh, uh, yes, man. Yeah. Was it the guy who was over the casino and shit? Oh, that was Mr. House. Mr. House. Yeah, he was a dude. He just controlled the robots. Well, it's been a long time since I played Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, he's just an old guy in a pod. He's like 200 some odd years old, and you can smush him if you want to take over the town yourself. And then you get a robot that can help you out. Oh, there we go, then. Spoilers for a 10-year-old game. Uh, Anyway. I think it's over um, in 10 years. Oh, shit. Well, we'll look it up later. <laughs> um, so finished, or mostly finished them. Um, and then I actually uh, just did some of the bases for them because I'm trying an ice and snow base on them as well. Apparently that's just what I do with my dwarves. So I picked up the Green Stuff World, the hell is it called? Winterfell Plains uh, paint, which is a technical paint that does a crackle effect that looks like uh, broken ice. So I was doing some some test schemes on that. Comes out really well. I was shocked at how how good it looks it genuinely looks kind of like crackly ice at least mm-hmm. from far away that, so that's the green mixing that over, with right? yeah yeah and just like a games workshop one you just slather it on kind of daub it around with the paintbrush to kind of get like piles of it and the thicker it is the more cracking it gets like most texture paints and it just looks like ice um i'm gonna mix that with a little bit of uh, a holland blizzard from games workshop just you know very easy snow in a bottle essentially and then um doing a little Sterling Battlemire for the parts that don't look like they're on a frozen lake or something just to kind of mix it up a smidge. But uh, yeah, and I also got some uh, some neon blue purple grass to put on the, the Sterling Battlemire so it looks like they're on kind of a weird alien planet. We'll see how it ends up looking, but I'm excited for it. Um, uh, Fallout New Vegas up. is 12 years and five days old. Came out October 19th, 2010. Nice. Peak college for me. Okay, um, there you go played i have well over a thousand hours in that game it it's it's Jesus. it'll be a while before it'll be a while before i play it again i played the hell out of it 
Um, let's see. After that, I got in my box for King Broad for the Mega Gargants, which has been very fun. Started assembling him, and I have a, a fun little side project I've been doing with him where I'm, uh, I, what I did for my first Mega Gargants, where I'm making a mold of most of the pieces so I can cast a fresh body and use every bit of the box. So out of one box, I can make myself up to five giants if I wanted to, nice. which is going to be real exciting. That's going to be projects for a while. Uh, and then last but not least, because bot counts, I purchased the Chaos Blooded, which are the Trader Guard for Kill Team, because I really like the models, and Kill Team has been on the up for uh, our local gaming group lately. And as much as I will continue to forever and always mock the movement system, it might finally be time to actually learn how to play it. Uh, and they did arrive today. I, I scooped them out of my mailbox about an hour ago. Nice. And that is everything. How about you, Tony? I know you've had a busy week, so probably not too super much. Yeah, it's uh, it's the wild time of the year with work. So I got all six of my armagers for my knights. Totally built, totally magnetized. Every weapon is swappable on every dude. So that was that was a fun project to do. Um, my three big knights are... One of them is fully built. The other two just need the arms. I just want to magnetize some more parts to them so I can, you know, future-proof them and change parts around on them. Um, I got the test scheme figured out for my big knights, I think. Just slap some, some base layers on one of them to kind of see it. And then I got one of my armatures painted up in its scheme. So I still want to play with a little bit more weathering on the weapons for them. For the, uh, what is the, the thermal lance or whatever the hell that little gun's called on it. I'm trying to do the, uh, the, the nice, like... For the armatures? Yeah, I want to say it's a thermal lance. I think it's, the, yeah, it's either a thermal lance or a thermal spear. Yeah, the, the spear is, I think the spear is them and the lance is the gallant. Ah, okay. Or errant. I don't fucking know. I think it's the errant. Because the gallants... Yeah, yours are a little, ones. uh... These are less easy to remember than the chaos yeah, ones. They have very it's different It's kind names. of frustrating. The but abominant, whatever. the rampager. Yeah. You know. I've got the errant, the crusader, the paladin, the gallant, the preceptor. Uh, and then there's something else. There's another one. I don't and remember a partridge in a pear tree. Yes, seriously. Uh, so I got one of my armagers painted up. Uh, other than that, I've done... Almost no hobby progress. Uh, purchases I mean, count, so I did get a Green Stuff World Order that's sitting at Andrews. <laughs> it's got a bunch of foliage and stuff for the bases for my knights. It's in a bag about four feet away from me. Yeah, yeah, that's farther than four feet from me, my friend. Yep, we will get it to you probably on Wednesday, unless you have another work emergency. Oh God, I fucking hope not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was all well, the hobby progress that I'd done. Which, well, building uh, when I say it out loud, kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, but our, you know, it's the same basic chassis for the war dogs. Building six armatures would take a bit, so it's not terrible hobby progress. I just I mass them. built them, hmm. put on some tunes and just jam through them. Yeah, uh, I was actually listening to Armor, the book by uh, what the fuck's that guy's name? Oh God damn it! Hold on, we pull it back up because it's gonna bug me. By John Stakely. It's supposed to be Stakely? like this. Yeah. It's supposed to be like this really classic sci-fi book. And I fucking hate it. Oh. Like, I am I am over halfway through it. And I'm just like, at some point, 
this has got to suck less. The first bit was really good. It was really Starship Troopers. But the writing, I mean, it, it was written in like the early 80s. So it definitely suffers from early 80s writing syndrome. But it's like, ah, I don't know. It, it's a very not great story. That's what I find going back and reading a lot of classic uh, sci-fi. It's either fucking incredible and you absolutely see why people loved it, or it's like, okay, I can see why this had an influence on the genre, but holy shit, is it boring nowadays. Yeah, well, the Starship Troopers movie is basically a blatant ripoff of this book. Yeah. Because it sure as shit isn't Starship Troopers. Yeah, it's almost nothing like the actual book. Yeah, they had fucking... The actual book is like pro-fascism, whereas the movie is very much not. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, that's all the hobby progress I have gotten done. I was trying to think, but yeah, there's literally nothing else that I've done. Well, uh, best wishes that your next hobby progress is much more full. God, I hope so, because I've got to get shit <laughs> painted for uh, Warzone Atlanta in like just over a month. Yeah, that is coming up. It like, is coming I up. I was about to say two months, but then I realized it's almost Halloween. It's, yeah, it's almost Halloween in a week. Oh, man. So uh, what about games played, Andrew? Oh, games played. Well, you should know at least a few of these because about half of them I I played with you. I do know two of them. Okay. Well, I'll start with the ones that I didn't play with you, and then we can can confer on the other ones. So uh, I had an AOS game. Oh, nope. Sorry. Three of them I played with you. I only had one game I didn't play with you. (laughs) I had an AOS game against our buddy Matt of uh, Nova Podcast fame. Um, I got my new uh, Mega Gargans Battle Tome in, and I was excited to give it a try. And Matt has been itching to try out his Fire Slayers for a while because he's been spending a long time painting them up, and they look very good. And uh, guess which legendary hero of yore he took, Tony? Ooh, uh, the White Dwarf. Uh, kind of close. He took fucking Gotrek, Gotrek. which yeah. uh, I have never actually gotten the. Uh, the opportunity to face before but uh for those of you that don't know uh if you want to kill a monster throw Godric at it oh my fucking god <laughs> yeah, <Godric is laughs> hands a down beast. vip of his army like oh just the the fucking most valuable player mvp just fucking demolished Godric on his own i took four mega gargants one of which was king broad because i was just excited to give him a try he killed king broad and a war stomper and a kraken eater on his own. Jesus Christ! Well, he is like no, four hundred like some points. Like he's the same cost as one of your gargans. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, to be fair, I did forget a few of my rules. There are a few things that got changed in this book. I forgot a couple of small ones, like you know, stuff a mimi net for the kraken eater, which could have killed off some of his fire slayer dudes whose names I forget. Um, yeah, there, there were a couple of minor things that I could have played better because it was a weird objective where the uh we got one of the ones where there was like six objectives evenly down the battlefield and so there wasn't really much of like a run-up to fight we were just kind of on each other he got first turn did a lot of damage there were there were, there were factors those factors aside fucking hell gotrick yeah, wow for those God, of you that don't know stick. who who casual aos or just do 40k or something gotrick ignores most of your damage meaning if I hit him with a, an attack that does five damage, he reduces it to one. It does not matter what the attack is. It always does one damage to him. Now, that's really good if you're using, like, a 60-man chain rasp horde or something. But if you got a Mega Gargant whose whole shtick is, I'm going to do 
five damage to you every single hit and you hit them three times that's only going to be three damage instead of the 15 damage you were supposed to do and this if is on top of him having his a ward save i was about to say this is on top of having a four up armor save and a four up ward save which is ridiculous the entire game i did i think three damage to him <laughs> and he healed one of them with a heroic recovery and that's real disheartening <laughs> yeah Godric is a absolute monster he is ridiculous. He carried the entire game on his shoulders. Yeah, Matt played well. He ran the objectives. He chose He chose battle stuff well. Gotrick won him that game, hands down. It was not even a contest. It was It was one of those ones where, like, I couldn't even be mad about it. I'm just like, wow, I did I did not expect him to be this mighty. Holy shit, he lives up to it. That, But if you have a horde army, you can't actually kill him. That's, I've been, I was reading online afterwards because, like, how do you kill this motherfucker? And everybody's just like, yeah, just throw, like, 60 dudes at him. He'll, it'll take forever for him to chew through him. And... Like I said, with the uh, the objective layout, we got a weird scenario where his uh, four-inch movement was not negated very much. So he, he didn't have to spend half the game waddling his way up the battlefield like he typically does. So, yeah, no. Live and learn. I'm, I'm excited to try again now that I know what he's capable of. Yeah. Uh, so that was my my one not against you game. Still had a ton of fun, though. It was a good time. Yeah, the, um, uh, the brass orb would be great against him because his movement is still just normal dwarf movement. Yeah, he's just got four movement, and he has a specific rule where, like, no matter what, he can't get a transport of any sort. He can't be brought in on the battlefield with a spell or anything. He has to just walk. <laughs> so he is incredibly slow. It's just got screwed over on that objective type. Um, yeah. So after that uh, is all games of Tony. So let's start with a uh, nice game of Blood Bowl. We that had, was a uh, fun game of Blood Bowl. For one of us. <laughs> oh, you laughed we had your way a- through it, too. Oh no! It was a fun time. It was it was it was a very blood bowl blood bowl match. So it was uh, my normal orc, orcs versus Tony's black orcs, or you know his cartoon orcs that he finished not too long ago. And uh, well, I'll just I'll just throw this one over to you, Tony, since it was uh, mostly your game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, true to form, anytime Andrew lets somebody borrow a model, that army promptly beats the dog shit out of him. Uh, in this one, we were doing basically a mirror match. And my troll wasn't fully painted, but we were playing on the nice 3D printed board that Phil made. And all the other stuff was painted. And Andrew's like, hey, I got two painted trolls. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So uh, the first half, the first quarter really, started off like super neck and neck. Uh, it was a little bit back and forth. Well, you kicked the ball to me and it landed right behind the line of scrimmage, right? Wasn't that the first half? No, you kicked the ball to me, and I had it on my thrower, and That's I was doing right. a pretty good job of screening him, and I got him about three-fourths the way up the board, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm real close to a touchdown. This is going pretty well for me. And then it stopped. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it turns out that uh, when I break uh, when I break armor, I'm real good at killing people, apparently. Yeah, so most of the, the normal orc's armor is a 10, which is really high for Blood Bowl. Yeah. And uh, the only rolls Tony could get were either snake eyes or elevens. <laughs> so he was pretty much always breaking my armor. I had a stacked casualty box. I had so many deads and so many knockouts. I just, by the second half, I think I had like seven guys on my half of the pitch while you still had a full team. It was it was getting dire for sure. Yeah. We almost it, it played the whole thing your out. your troll was literally dumber than a bag of rocks. Yeah, I kept I kept rolling the really stupid rolls, and then my troll got knocked down, and he was really stupid on the ground, so he couldn't move <laughs> he at all. There. He was just dazing up at the sky, <laughs> so he couldn't even be an effective blocker or anything like a troll is supposed to be. It was just one of those games where I was like, huh, okay, 
Okay, okay, Tony, I see how this is going. But, I will say, it was a good match because Tony did get a successful goblin throw off with his troll. I did, and it was it was a, like a, a wild one too. A goblin dipping in, grabbing the ball, dodging a dude, getting scooped up, and then thrown over the heads of a bunch of other dudes. It was almost nothing but perfect rolls. He fucked up the landing, but yeah. he didn't die, so it yeah, was fine. Yeah, it was fine. But the troll didn't eat him or anything. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have gone way worse. It could have. But it, it was a beautiful looking game with everything on that board. Man, oh, like, yeah. Kudos it was to super Phil fun. for that it fucking was, pitch. It was just one of those matches where it's like, one of us is always going to roll bad, and one of us is always going to roll well. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was the other side of the coin from me at Nova at Blood Bowl where I just could not break armor to save my life. Ugh. Uh, continuing my streak of doing bad at Blood Bowl. Hopefully my next one's a little bit better. I believe in you. Uh, after that, I had an Age of Sigmar game against Tony. Uh, Gargans <laughs> versus Skaven. This yeah. was before my new book came out. Here's and, where the rules uh, flipped the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one was the opposite of the Blood Bowl match where uh, you just couldn't really stop me, huh? <laughs> no, no, I couldn't. It was, I couldn't was do a it? goddamn thing to you. Yeah, you took, what, two Vermin Lords... Uh, and a shitload of storm fiends, pretty much, right? Yeah, basically. Uh, and a hell pit abomination. Yeah, which was a, a fun first time for that one. Which, of course, he forgot at home, so we had to proxy. Yep, classic me. It's literally um, sitting in front of my computer, like it's sitting up on this little shelf, uh, which I had it here because when I was building my army list, I'm like, ooh, I'll put it here so I don't forget it. S- spoiler alert. So of course, I forgot it. Yeah, uh, and I decided to let Kragnos out to play. He hadn't uh, seen the board in a while, and he had an updated uh, battle sheet, so I wanted to give that a try. Or, sorry, War Scroll, or an Age of Sigmar. Um, and you came really close to killing Kragnos. Uh, I came really close to killing to... a lot of stuff that game, but nothing would stick. Yeah, you got Kragnos down to two wounds, where he was not terribly effective, but he was still terribly effective. <laughs> He, I think Kragnos on his own, severely wounded, mortally wounded, one might say, still killed about half your army on his own, because, man, the Dread Mace is just a beast of a weapon, because he attacks like six times with it, hits on twos, wounds on twos, and does six damage with it, or four damage with it when it goes through. It's it's a ridiculous thing. He's, what is uh, his war, a war scroll in? Um, it was an online thing, but now it's in the, uh, the most recent, uh, Sons of Bayamot Battle Tome. Oh, nice. I was wondering if it was in the Bayamot Battle Tome or if it was still in something else. I think it might start coming in every destruction book just because he can come with any destruction army. Kind of like Nagash did. We'll s- yeah, we'll see when, uh, when Matt gets his, his, uh, ogre battle his, tome. His ogres. His ogres. Um, yeah, Kragnos did work. My Kraken Eater did work. My Gatebreaker did work. It was it was just one of those ones where, uh, yeah, you you couldn't make anything stick, and I did nothing but make things stick. So yeah, I, it was, I think it was the pretty quick most one. shots I got out of a um, Storm Fiend's uh, fucking rattling guns was like eight on three d six or something stupid. Did a lot of damage to Kragnos though, because uh, yeah. he's, he's got a two up armor save, but. You know, once he got stuff with high AP, sorry, high rend, it uh, it really starts to chew through him. He's got a six-up ward save now, but you know me, I'm trying to roll sixes. Yeah. If I would have had, you know, so, even an average number of shots out of the rattling guns, I probably could have killed Kragnos. Yeah, that would have been real disappointing, but, you know, that's what you get for pinning your hopes and dreams on a 720-point model. Oh, yeah. Fucking, uh, yeah, but it was fun. It was hilarious. Oh, it was also very fast. You, 
It was. We were done in about an hour and a half, which is pretty quick. An um, hour and a half of us fucking yeah. around as we played. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, and good news, uh, the brass orb, once again, did not work. Yeah, it never does. It's, it's one day, the funniest thing that will I, work at one point. I think that makes it nine or ten now times that I've failed to roll the three I, up on that. I really hope the only time it ever goes off is against Godric. Eventually you will play against Matt, he will take Godric, and you'll throw him back to the beginning of the map. <laughs> and it will be great. Yeah, it'll be that would be hilarious. Um, that would be perfect. <laughs> so after that, we did a, uh, a four-player Frostgrave game, which was... Uh, pretty tight that was uh that's a lot of people on one board and it got very interesting it was uh me tony matt and danielle and uh we had a fun thing where there was like these magic floating boats in the middle of the map that had treasure chests we had to get to and every time you got to the boat like these weird mantis monsters would appear uh and essentially what happened that game was matt and i had kind of a cold war thing going on for like two or three turns and then he started getting a little aggressive and then i moved a golem forward and it just evolved into chaos from that point on our side of the board uh, Danielle used her wizard to conjure walls and essentially made a, a hallway for herself to her boat, which was a pretty interesting strategy. Kind of worked until you started being uh, more more excited to try and uh, attack her and vice versa. And, yeah, she, uh, moved just a thing, kinda... she moved a thing out of her hall towards my stuff. I put a deterrent guide there. She missed at my deterrent guide when she attacked it. So I turned all the keys and fired all the nukes back. Yeah, it uh, it just sort of devolved from there. Matt and I had a pretty good slugfest. Uh, by the end of it, most of our gangs were pretty much out of business. Um, thankfully, my wizard and my apprentice were still rolling because uh, we got a lot of chests, which meant a lot of monsters started showing up, and it got fucky real fast. Everything had, showed up um, in Andrew's corner or my corner that we were trying to run back to. <laughs> yeah, so we had a an ice troll show up. We had a white gorilla, which is like this giant snow gorilla, which is really tough to kill. Uh, you had like undead champions and stuff coming in on yeah. your corner and and, uh, and, and an shit. ice toad on my side and an ice toad yeah uh, and I the way I built my my frostgrave gang um, my wizard really only knows helpful spells he has one offensive spell which is explosive rune which is essentially like a landmine and the way it works your apprentice knows the same spell as your wizard so when the the ice or the the white gorilla started charging towards my guys i just laid down two explosive runes at his feet and hope he'd run into him and he charged straight into him and just turned into dust he was just immediately evaporated and i was like oh thank god that guy would have wrecked anything i, yeah, threw at him. I was ready to up your poor beaten up warband i was ready to sacrifice my golem i'm like just get in there bud just stop him from killing me holy shit uh, the ice troll went out after Matt's apprentice, took him out really quickly. It was just one of those ones where it's like, grab what treasure you got and get the fuck out. We're going to get swarmed by crazy shit. You had a, what was it? Your apprentice or no, your knight or something pretty much went down because that, un that undead champion got like one massive hit yeah. off of him. Yeah. It was a, uh, a fucking skeleton with one hit point. All you have to do is beat its armor and you fucking kill it. Its armor is only like 12. My fucking like good ass two-handed weapon demon possessed knight just fucking whiffed his first attack with a one the skeleton rolled a 20 almost one shot at my dude then the very next fucking fight i rolled like a three and it rolled a 19 and finished my guy off right yeah was, uh, yeah then my barbarian came in there game. just like broke it in half so it was like it mm, i wouldn't say there was any like super clear winners either nobody really got a ton of treasure or anything we all just kind of got equally fucked up during the entire thing yeah i, I think so, i came out on top because i had i i got 
two two treasures. I think we all got two treasures. Yeah, I got two as well. Yeah. Um, I got but a bunch of my my warband came out gotta... least beaten up out of that. <laughs> Thankfully, I had no permanent injuries on mine, but yeah, I, I lost a lot of dudes pretty quickly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was fun to fun to see my almost entirely painted dwarves on the board. Uh, I looked back at the Nova pictures and seeing them just in like the stark white pewter. It's just like, oh yeah, that's that's been a big difference. Oh boy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, all of my games played. How about you? Did you uh, did you manage to get any in that weren't against me? Yeah, I, uh, I had two in that weren't against you actually. Mm. Uh, both of them were 40k games prepping for Warzone. Uh, the first one I went and hung out with Doctor Chris, also of Nova episode fame, and you know it, it was my first time getting back into 40k in months and months and months. So we were going over everything very in detail. And Warzone has an interesting way on how you do player place terrain. So you alternate placing it, and it's a lot of terrain. They can be, they have to be at least three inches apart. So, you know, 3.001 inches. Uh, and that's a chess match. I didn't quite realize that. Chris and I probably spent an hour, hour and a half talking about just terrain placement. Uh, what would be beneficial, what's detrimental to me, what to look out for. Kind of if someone places something like this, they're probably going for this style arrangement to block off objectives or mark paths. Because all the knights are on very big bases. And if your base doesn't fit between ruins, they can't go between them. Uh, so that's going to be a really interesting thing that I've really got to watch out for when, when we're doing all the place terrain. But, you know, he's been playing the same Dark Angels list or a variant of for the better part of a year now. Uh, so he beat me. Uh, I learned a lot of really good things on my knights that I need to try and support them better. Uh, I can't just expect one knight to run in and beat up a squad. So he, he, he beat me pretty handily. I, I still did better than I expected to do on my first one back. I think it ended up being like 70, 76 to 32 or 34. So I, I at least mean, put points. I guess the guy who plays competitively frequently, that's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, I was able to, to break up one of his formations that he wasn't expecting me to be able to break on the left side. So that was kind of nice. Uh, then I played a game against Will from Necromunda Roundup episode fame and also from Song at End credit fame, end credit song fame, uh, which that. also he gave me the uh, the original lyrics that he wrote. They're actually uh, hanging by my mandolin on the wall right now, so I might might have to frame nice. those up. <laughs> we still need to uh, to get together with him to record the dildo story. Apparently, we do, we, we, we do. promised that to be our first Patreon content. Yeah, well, lucky for us, we haven't really put any Patreon content out there. Subscribe to our Patreon, we'll get, get nothing. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there someday. He will eventually pay for stuff. Oh, bad. But uh, he played a decently close to the meta Necron list, uh, which basically can score 100 points without actually having to interact with you. And which is he, just weird. Yeah, he, he beat me hard. Um, he got real, real spot on with some reanimation rolls, and I underestimated just how fucking mean the goddamn Silent King is. Holy shit. But it's yeah, almost that like one. he's the big named hero for that army. Yeah, right. Well, he could fucking between that and the Nightbringer, the things that have wound gate. Well, the Silent King doesn't have a wound gate, but the Nightbringer having a wound gate's hard to fucking deal with uh, because I don't have the ability to generate mortal wounds or anything in a psychic phase. 
So I can only deal damage in three phases of the game. In shooting, the charge phase, which I can deal one or two mortal wounds, and then the close combat phase. So anything that's yeah, wound-gated that's is, is very hard for me to kill. But I'm yeah. surprised knights don't have any kind of psyker thing at this point. Because the chaos knights do, which, you know, that's their shtick. It's chaos. But, uh, you know, there could be like a, a, a royal wizard or something that comes along with the knights. Yeah, but I mean, even in a lot of the fluff and stuff, knights didn't really have psychers. Yeah, yeah, I know. I did. They just kind of have a uh, uh, you know Bretonian knight of the round tabley kind of vibe. So it's like it, it maybe in like tenth edition they could release a knight that's a psyker for the good guys too. Yeah. I mean, they got side titans. Hmm, that's true. Right, the, the the emperor commissioned them. That means they're probably pretty okay. But yeah, that was uh, that was all the games that I had this week. So I had more games than hobby progress, which I'm not really sure how I pulled off. But here we go. Because oh, it man. only takes a couple hours commitment. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so we've had quite a few Warcom articles. So let's uh, let's just do kind of a quick quick glaze across those, Andrew. Bounce off the good ones. Yeah. Uh, the the first one being the James Workshop Leagues of Votan apology video that nerfed the Leagues I of Votan. Fucking- I fucking called it. I mean, I didn't expect them to do like a goofy video, but when everybody was bitching about how the Votan were overpowered, obviously they were going to fix it. They got to it a little quicker than I expected them to, but you know, that that's games workshop does listen on occasion. Y'all. Oh man. There was actually a piece of hobby progress. I forgot. Oh shit. Rewind. Uh, yep, 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 yep. I ordered, uh, Bayard's revenge, the Warhammer day model. Ah, such a cool model. It's so cool. But yeah, anyway, back to Warcom articles. Back to Warcom. So yeah, Votan got uh, uh, one hard rule change that negated a lot of what made them stupid. So now they're just really strong as opposed to fucking annihilating. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> um, Let's see. I'm skipping ahead of the big stuff that's exciting for you. We'll get all the other crap out of the way. Uh, Games Workshop did an update of their tool line, which I'm interested to see what people think of. Um. Hobby snips, Sacto knife, uh, drill, but the big one is the um, the 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 mold line remover. They did an updated version of that, which people keep telling me I should get one. I don't know how good this new one is though. It looks pretty funky. What do you think it'll be like, Tony? So I've actually watched a couple of reviews on them because they released on Saturday, and I was curious because uh, they're very expensive. They're expensive tools. Yes, they got they got a price bump for sure. Yeah, um, the hobby knife is from what everyone says it's good it's solid it doesn't come loose like a lot of the cheaper hobby knives do you know how sometimes when you you torque with it the blade will come a little loose um everyone likes the handle it's good it's ergonomic doesn't hurt your fucking hand like the shitty metal ones uh pin vice is a dollars keep that in mind (laughs) jesus christ i didn't realize it was that expensive yeah no these tools are ridiculous they need to be like keep them for the rest of my life good before i invest in them uh the pin vice is it's a pin vice i mean it's it's a hand drill it's good it holds things tight just like every other fucking pin vice on the market does the clippers are supposed to be from everything i've heard like creme de la creme top of the line cuts through sprue like it's fucking butter like people are using these are like go it's holy shit style good Okay. That's uh, good they're to hear. they're comparing actually, them to the Tamaya God Hand cutters, which that's are supposed the one I've to be. Always heard about. Yeah, these are these are what people are saying are on par with that. 
Okay. I don't know how much those cost, but as long as these don't cost more, I might The Godhounds are like 55 or $60. Well, these are like 42 so there you go. Oh, there we go. Um, yes, my, the snips I've been using, which were just like some cheapy ones I picked up from Michael's, uh, the spring broke on them. Yep, so they still snip. I just, yeah, I still, I just have to like manually pull them apart whenever I snip something. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I have a little bit of scare, spare hobby cash that's not going towards models, maybe I'll see about getting some Citadel snips. Yeah, I've uh, I've been using the Army Painter ones. They do well for me. They've got about an 8 to 10 month shelf life on them. Hmm. You know, they're just like any other snips. But then again, I go through a lot of fucking sprues. I also so pop all my parts off of sprues to put into bits bins. Yeah, I always do that too. I hate having just piles of sprue left over. Yeah, I know I, some people do that, and I I don't say I don't think I'm OCD. I'm not one of those people who says that. It just really bugs me to have that shit on my table. So I've got I, a giant box next to me quickly. that I've got to do it too. Oof. All right, so yet. the big one. What are what are people saying about the new mold line remover? All right, so the old mold line remover, I love. Uh, it's a fantastic tool. It works great. It, it doesn't cut too deep. It's like a hobby knife that's just sharp enough to scrape a mold line without digging into the model. Right. I've seen two reviews on the new one. One person gave it a solid, it's okay. That it's... <laughs> okay out of 10. It's okay out of 10. It's almost identical to the old one, but it's got a little hook in the back that you can kind of get in some other spaces with because it thins out. The right, other guy... Right. Uh, that I watched who gave really in-depth reviews of them does not like this one. Uh, he says mm. it's much duller than the original one, but his big issue is anytime you had to put torque on it to get into somewhere narrow, he, after just a day and a half, it is already bent. Ooh, that's, now, these it could, are pricey. So having a tool bend on you on the first day is a lot. Now he could have gotten a faulty one. He could have been using it incorrectly. Uh, but how every other tool everyone talks about how great and awesome it is and this one the two reviews i've watched on it one of them was bad the other was meh so you know if you can get mm. the old mold line remover get the old mold line remover yeah i've been considering getting it i'm just one of those people who's like why would i spend 30 dollars on this one i can just use the back of a zacto knife yeah yeah and that's done me pretty good for the decade-ish I've been doing this hobby. So, like, I don't know. If one appeared in, like, a stocking or something, I wouldn't say no. But I'm not going to go to my way to get one. Yeah, that's kind of how I am on it as well. Uh, right, I, well I, might, I might go for the Clippers. I might dish out for the Clippers. I will look into the Clippers because I have been meaning to pick up a new pair since mine snapped. And I might as well spend a little extra dosh on some real ones that are actually properly good if everybody's saying they're actually solid. Yeah, and if they last a year, then that puts them at the exact same price point I'm spending on Army Builder Clippers every year. There you go. So, oh man. So, uh, another, another little, not a whole lot of Necromunda stuff has been talked about. Not so much now. But the cool-ass Promethean tanks were. <laughs> Yet another trailer for my I land know, train. I know. Oh man, I can't wait for all the holiday season pictures of fucking land trains going around christmas trees oh man yeah like if you could put the the max amount of trailers you're allowed to have on the cargo eight ridge hauler it probably would wrap most of the way around your bog standard christmas tree it's pretty wild it's pretty fucking wild i i feel like i just because we've goofed about this before i i might have to paint the cargo eight before christmas just so i can 
bring it to my parents' place and put it around their Christmas tree. Because <laughs> I have a young cat. I'm not having a Christmas tree at my place. It will be destroyed. You know, uh, my cats actually do well with the Christmas tree. I feel like Bosco probably would get used to it after he knocks it over about five times. Uh, once one of the cats hit a Christmas ball and it fell and bounced in between them, they didn't go fucking near it again. <laughs> fear. Fear he's, is a he's... great motivator. Well, he's an idiot. So fear okay. isn't really a thing he experiences as far as I can tell. He's he's an orange cat, so he has like two brain cells to rub together. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I love him to death. He's not the smartest. Oh, man. What, uh, what, what's, what's another thing that popped out from, from Warcom for you? Oh, let's see. I'm still saving the biggest ones for you for last. So uh, we'll go into Underworlds. There's been a few things. So um, the Gnarlwood expansion came out. That came with the, uh, I don't know, the, whatever the Chaos dudes are. You know, those guys. But they also got those new Skelebones that we talked about last time. Those are, those so are officially cool out. looking. Ah, oh, those are, what was it? It was a uh, uh, load web page, goddamn you. The Sons of Velmorn. <laughs> Velmore, yes, that's it. That was, uh... I can't wait till they sell that one solo, because that is a really cool one, and I want it for D&D. Mm-hmm. Because, well, the others are the, the uh, Gnarl Spirit Pack. Yeah. Which, they're, they're very good Chaos dudes. We talked about it before. They're very solid Chaos dudes, but just comparatively, nowhere near as good. Yeah. But, uh, we also got a timeline for upcoming Warcry, or, uh, uh Underworld stuff, and uh, we're getting a Gits gang in December. Somebody remembered that my little mushroom idiots actually exist. <laughs> Which, uh, it's they? just a picture at a bad moon. I have no idea what the gang is going to be, but holy shit, they remembered that the Gits exist. Maybe, at some point, within the next decade, they'll give me a new battle tome as well. Who'd have thought? Giving rules for armies. Ah! <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. No, not even a little bit, I can tell. Not even a little bit. Ah, yeah, so we're getting a Gits gang. That's all I'm excited about for that. Uh, <laughs> moving on. We also, in Warcry news, today, actually, uh, they're doing Battle for the Ruin, which has a, uh, a Lizardman Skinks gang, which looks really good, Chameleon Skinks, versus a Zinch gang called uh, the Jade Masks or something like that. Uh, yeah, something like that. They're interesting. Yeah, who are, you know, other than the mask themselves that they wear, I wouldn't immediately peg them as Zinch. They have very like heavy armor and use yeah. big like, mining gear. Uh, when I first also have saw a lot of them, those, um, I thought they were some form of Sigmar thing. Yeah, like they're they're I don't know they're kind of they're not overtly chaos honestly until you see their weird like chicken octopus monster that's on their gang. Um, I also love that they have the little four sided pyramid studs that were uh, super popular on emo kids belts back in high school. That's uh, very fun. Yeah, what is that weird creature thing? I think it's just supposed to be some kind of chaos mutant. I think it's reading the description. It's supposed to be like their uh, their voice of Zinch or something. It's, so it's really just some kind dumb of looking. chaos bond. It looks stupid. That is the only part of this gang that looks dumb. Well, that and the big obelisk on the dude's back. It looks cool, but it's dumb when you think about it. He does also have a big Flava Flav like serving dish on his necklace, which That's is kind of interesting. I still like the chick but, who's uh, literally holding a beating heart in her hand. That one's pretty dope. But yeah, the rest of them all have really creepy, like, smooth face masks. They just have eyes and a nose. They look very, very 
I don't know, like eyes wide shut, creepy shit. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the fucking chaos spawn thing now. It's just imagine a tentacle with or uh, an octopus with a bunch of tentacles and then some fucked up turkey wings and like a weird chicken head, and it just looks very silly. Yeah, it 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 reads flamingo to me. It's the color flamingtopus. Sure. Yeah, it's a flamingtopus. There we go. But uh, otherwise, it's a pretty cool gang. I do like them a lot. The uh, the and then the uh, terrain that comes in it's kind of neat. Yeah, some add-ons to the the previous most recent releases with the gnarl wood boxes. Uh, they have weird, yeah, they're all the like the bamboo shit that they were doing. But this one has like meat trees. Yeah, the way it's painted words, really makes me uncomfortable. It's real creepy. Yeah. They're, they're the fleshy gnarl oaks, according to the Warcom article, which is uh, kind of fucking creepy. <laughs> it looks like the tops of them are just hands, and I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, all the branches all the branches have like weird little fingertip claws coming off of them. It's 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 pretty wild. This is some chaosy shit for sure. Yeah, and it doesn't so, uh, fit a- with either of those war bands to me. No, not really. Like the Zinch one, maybe just because Zinch is, you know, changing shit on the fly and all about chaos mutation. But uh, it's a bit weird. It's a little, little odd. That's but, war you know, I like the warbands. Yeah, cool terrain. Uh, the skinks are cool. I like the pterodaxes that come with them. Just, just uh, maybe, maybe it's a sign that lizardmen are actually going to get a proper update soon between that and Lord Croak coming out recently. Probably before the gets. Probably. Why would the gits get any love? Who knows? Maybe one day my mushroom boys won't be complete garbage. But today is not that day. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they right, released Tony. some more art from the old world. Oh, art that looks exactly like the art from the old rule books. There, there's nothing new and interesting between them. I still like it. It's still cool to see the old artwork. It's. It's good art. It just genuinely looks like shit that came from the old rule books. It's like, oh, here's confirmation that the Tomb Kings are coming back. Well, it's like, well, duh, it's the old world. Of course the Tomb Kings are coming back. It's It looks just like them. Oh, here's confirmation that the Bretonians are coming back, which, while good for you, is also just like, well, duh, they're part of the old world. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I was surprised Tomb exciting. Kings are coming back. I'm going to be honest with you. I was, I was surprised about that. Yeah, actually. I... I just, I don't know what to expect with the old world. They've given us no real information other than that, like, Kislev is going to be fleshed out as a faction. I, I'm just kind of, at this point, expecting a Forge World version of Warhammer Fantasy Battles. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it's like, it's fine. If the models are cool, I might still end up buying them for use in Age of Sigmar, but like... I, I kind of hope know. it's, it's what... old school rank and file. Well, yeah, if it was Warhammer Fantasy Battle, that's what it would be. But like... I, I, other than just having updated models, just get the old rule books. Then what are they going to change? All right, that's fair. That's fair. I don't. I don't know. And you know, this is far. They've given us no information on how the game is going to play. They could vastly change stuff. I have no fucking clue. We'll see. But just from what I've, from what incredibly tiny drip feed they've given us, I just have no idea what the fuck to expect with this game. Other no, than they're when, like, when oh. they talked about it initially, they said it was going to be a drip feed, and it was like going to be three or four years out. And we're at like two and a half or three years now, right? What about two? Yeah. But that's Either what they way, said. It, it would be, we're still looking at least a year for it to come out. I mean, at that point, why even bother? I don't know. It's the whole thing seems weird to me. Like, maybe I'll be super excited for it once actual news comes out, but it's just very standard Warhammer fantasy art to me at this point. The Gits are just going to get, they're going to be the most powerful faction in fucking Old World. <laughs> 
Well, they used almost the same goddamn models for the Night Goblins, so, you know, <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Well, that brings us to, let's see, one last thing before the big stuff. Uh, Leagues of OTAN are getting the proper launch this weekend. All the pre-orders are going up, and it's the whole range. You can get the, the battle box that comes with all the stuff that came in the collector's edition that I got. You can get the Grimnir, which I'm super excited for. Space Loving a Space Wizard. wizard. You can get the the Hearthguard, the Iron Master, the Thunderkin, the fucking Hecachonk Land Fortress. All that good stuff's coming out. So the whole army will be out. People will be fighting it and continue to bitch about it for, I don't know, ever, because that's how Warhammer is these days. Um, so, yeah, that's the big one. Oh, and they have pretty fun dice. Uh, kind of like a clear hologram-looking thing. Oh, I haven't seen their dice. Oh, well, let me link you a picture then. Please. You know, there is you one thing that I'm really more. excited about with the fucking Votan release. Mm. that we're going to be done with fucking Botan Watch. Uh, no, we're not, because they said there's going to be more coming in 10th Ed Fuck. whenever that comes out. Votan Watch will never die, baby. Beep, those, beep, are, beep, those are way more orange than I was expecting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they're pretty bright. Huh. I'm glad that the, the pips are a decent contrast, though. I yeah, yeah, you can actually read Low them. contrast. Yeah. When you said um, they were clear, I had a, flashbacks to the fucking, um, uh, what are they? The fucking fish elves. Ah, oh, god damn it. Oh, the Eidneth? Yeah, the I had flashbacks to the completely illegible ones that are, so, the ones that are supposed to look like water, which is like, oh man, the notoriously clear thing that we don't want to have to try to read. Cool. Um... Yeah, other than the Votam, we're also getting some uh, different variations on the Predator for 30k. Corswain, mm-hmm. uh, the really cool Dark Angel dude. Corswain, yeah, that's a very rad Dark Angel model, which uh, Matt will be very excited for because he's been getting into Dark Angels. Yeah, he played his um, first 30k game today with uh, Trey. Said it was very fun. Um, we're also getting those Death Guard. Yeah. We're also getting those Death Guard Praetors, which are pretty rad. All kinds of heads for Death Guard, Blood Angels, uh, some shoulder pads, a bunch of books. Yeah, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. But the big stuff, what you're excited for, Tony, we're getting, for the first time in like 30-some-odd years, Attilan Rough Riders. Yeah. Uh, Attilan Rough Riders. That old guard models exist. A fucking revamp of all the Cadian infantry. Fucking Kazarkin are coming back in plastic, and they look cool as fuck. Yeah, they're they're doing like most of the infantry line. They're getting all of the uh, all the heavy gunners and stuff as well. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Well, that's not a redo of the heavy gunners. That is a new unit that is like towable artillery behind tanks size stuff. Oh, damn! I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not that's not your normal just like fucking auto cannons and las cannons and shit. One of them is actually a Lehman Russ battle cannon. Another is a weapon in place LAS cannon. And the other looks a lot like the old, old guard thud gun. And I still don't yeah, really like the new a, Sentinel. I think it looks a lot more like it won't fall over as soon as it actually tries to walk. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, we're also getting a new commissar because you can't have guard without commissars. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I honestly wish they would just reprint, because there was probably a dozen or a dozen and a half cool old school Commissar models that they could just reprint those and I would be super fucking happy. Well, yeah, they had all the, the variations where it's like, this one has the, the, the Holy Book and the Power Fist, and this one has the Power Sword, and this one I has have, the Chain Sword. I have most of them. 
Yeah. Just do like updates of them where their proportions aren't goofy and they're in plastic. Yeah. There, there is one that thing I don't like about the new Cadians. What's that? Uh, one, the knee pads are kind of strange. Eh, it's but, believable though. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's like believable. you'd want a knee pad. Um, the, uh, the, the fucking Vox relay. I, I do not that one. like this is very silly looking. It looks it, like it's like he's got the fucking rigged, kitchen pipes on top. It looks like the most rigged up rabbit ears on the crappiest CRT TV you've ever seen from an '80s movie. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as a whole, they're great fucking models. And I guess I'm gonna buy more fucking guard. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like what they did with the Eldar, where there wasn't really much to change. They just kind of changed the proportions to be more realistic. And, well, and the really helmets good. look good. The helmets look the helmets re- look like, good. They're very American, like World War Two GI looking. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, and then other than the that big update to the to the the the, the Imperial Guard line, we got a brand new model today. They announced yeah. it. We are getting the Rogel Dorn battle tank because apparently Lehman Russ wasn't big enough. We had to get his his slightly more stoic brother. <laughs> this thing is cool as but, fuck. It's fucking huge. It, it like, looks like a, a fucking Churchill tank. Yeah. No, like, this one's very World like War II. Mark II or Mark III Churchills. Yeah, very World War II versus Lehman Russ being very World War One. I. I fucking love uh, it, dude. I will get size wise. It looks. It's not quite as big as a Bane blade, but it looks. I don't know. Maybe three fourths as large as a Bane blade. Like it's definitely the in between of the Lehman Russ and the Bane blade. So you sent me that picture that showed the Lehman Russ is very small, but if you look at the picture with it next to the infantry, I feel like it's not as big as that picture. Yeah. Well, if you look at like the minis on the model, because there's like a guy on the gun hanging off the back and a guy in the yeah. turret pointing and saying, kill that. Uh, it's it's definitely very chonky, but it's not. It looks not like it's a little bit larger than large. a, it's probably about the size of maybe a little larger than a Land Raider or a Spartan. Yeah. Land Raider would probably be about the right size comparison. But it's, it's definitely not like that one picture showed where it was fucking almost Bane Blade size. Because a Bane Blade's fucking huge. Like, a Bane Blade's yeah. like the size of a Codex. Or larger, actually. Yeah, it's a chunk. It's it's a super battle tank, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I was very yeah. excited that it has uh, the... Uh, what, where, where did that one... What is it called? You can mount two battle cannons on it... Or an oppressor cannon, which is capable of knocking out everything up to a chaos knight in a single shot. Which is just ludicrous. That's that's well, they're twenty four wounds apiece, correct? Chaos knights? Yeah. I have no idea. I haven't played with them yet. Fair enough. Well, their imperial cousins are. Uh, it also gets a souped up it's... demolisher cannon called a pulverizer cannon. That sounds rad. Is that the uh, the big like stub gun on the front? No, that's the Castigator Gatling cannon. No, no, there's like another one. Where if you're looking at the uh, the actual article in in place of the Gatling cannon, there's just a big fuck off cannon that's right in the middle of it, but it's very stubby. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the pulverizer cannon. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, it also, it looks like it can mount Ford mounted melta guns. Yeah, you can get two giant stub guns on the front, and then and then. Uh, Pintle mounted melta guns and then all the basic smoke grenade launchers and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, but in, in some of the pictures, like the, uh, the stub guns are replaced with melta gun barrels. 
Yeah, it definitely looks like this thing is going to tear through pretty much anything. And my god, it has so many, like, bits and bobs. Just stowage everywhere. The tread-headed me yeah. is beyond fucking excited for this tank, Andrew. I'm getting at least one yeah, of definitely. them, possibly two. Definitely have to put Fury on in the background while you build this. As you do. And then oh. I think that's pretty much everything worth talking about in Morcom. Uh, the, the new kill team goes up went up for pre-order Saturday as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gallo Dark. Yeah, the cars. Yeah, the the Carskins and the Necrons. Yep. And which uh, neither of us term. called that. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't. No, no, no. no. I, I thought I, I thought Gallo Dark. We called. We called Guard. I think we knew something Imperium, and I think one of us said Necrons for one of the upcoming ones, but I don't think it was this one specifically. No, no. I don't know. I'd have to listen down. back. But I, yeah, we didn't. I don't. We didn't call Carskins for sure. No, 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 no. I thought it was going to be more of like um, an Inquisitorial Warband. Yeah, my my money's still on Inquisitorial Warband or Terminators for the next one, but we'll see. Oh man! So uh, Andrew, you got into something on Saturday that I unfortunately was not able to take part in. You wanna you wanna tell the the listeners? I almost said viewers. Tell the listeners a little bit about it. Yeah, so uh, I was lucky enough to get into the Warhammer 40,000 Darktide Beta, which is an uh, upcoming game by Fat Shark Studios, or Fat Shark Productions, I'm not super sure which, Fat Shark something. Uh, <laughs> they are the team that made Vermintide and Vermintide 2, two very, very good representations of uh, the Warhammer setting, uh, done in kind of the style of like a Left 4 Dead co-op shooter, uh, fighting big hordes of monsters kind of stuff, uh, Vermintide. You know, if you listen to the name, is obviously facing Skaven because they're the big Ratman. Uh, Darktide is focusing on a chaos incursion, uh, specifically one by Nurgle. So you fight a lot of poxwalkers in place of Skaven or like your average zombie in a Left 4 Dead. Uh, but there's also a lot of traitor guardsmen. Um, so this one's actually a little bit more ranged focus than like a Vermintide. A um, lot more uh, options for gun variety. You still have tons of melee. Like melee is a huge component of it still, but it's not as focused on it as it was with Vermintide. Um, if you're interested in this, you've probably looked into it a little bit. I can kind of give like my experiences with each class or something, but there are uh, a few classes to choose from. Uh, you get a sharpshooter, which is an ex-guardsman, because uh, the whole shtick is you're playing as uh, criminals who were picked by an inquisitor to be like, all right, you're going to be my suicide charge. Go get some missions done for me, and maybe we'll, you know, get rid of your uh, your criminal sentence. And then you actually end up doing well, and they're like, oh shit, well, do it again, and maybe we'll continue to get rid of your criminal sentences. And then eventually you become like an interrogator for an inquisitor when you're uh, reliably trustworthy. So this is basically um, so, like uh, the old Dark Heresy RPG then? Yeah, kind of, essentially. Yeah, you, you just rise up from the muck, and if you don't die in the first couple of missions, you have a job and aren't going to die a horrible, painful death in a prison. You'll just die a horrible, painful death out on the field doing something horrifying. Die gloriously but, or die um, trying? Die for the Emperor or die trying. But anyway, so the class options. Uh, a sharpshooter, which is a Imperial Guardsman who was thrown in jail. Um... So your whole thing is you rely on mostly weapons. You still get a shovel or a power sword or something because there's a lot of weapon variety. Uh, that's the starting, that's quite, the starting a, quite a spread there. 
The starting gear is a shovel and a las gun, but eventually you can get up to stuff like melta guns. Uh, a lot of this wasn't in the beta, but they, it's been leaked that uh, there's something like 72 weapons that you can eventually Jesus. choose from between all four classes. Yeah, all of them are from the tabletop. All the weapons are stuff that you can get on a model if you want to. Um, so you start with a las gun and shovel. You can eventually work your way up to an auto gun, eventually get a power sword, eventually get like power mauls, stuff like that. Um, there's a psyker class who uh, starts off with um, kind of a like a stub revolver, which is really powerful, but super slow to shoot, super slow to reload. It's, it's kind of like a sniper rifle in a pistol, which is a little weird. Uh, they have two psychic powers you can start with where one of them is like a wave. So if you're getting swarmed, you can push a bunch of guys back. And then another one is kind of like you point at a guy and you hold to look at him and then his head explodes. <laughs> um, cool. And so you have... It's uh, like Vermintide when you play the wizard in that one. You kind of have to mitigate the amount of like warp energy that builds up in you. And if it reaches critical, you just explode and die. Like you go down and <laughs> someone has to pick you up. So same thing happened in Vermintide, but you the just like burst wizard. into a ball of flame, essentially. Yeah. So same, same kind of mechanic there. Um, you also eventually upgrade guns and so forth. You can get uh, power swords, power staves, things like that. Uh, next up, you can get the Hive Preacher, who is a melee build, who their whole shtick is uh, their ability like buffs them up whenever they... Uh, the more injured they are, the more damage they do in melee. And so they start off with kind of that, that power fire axe that, uh, that that Imperial Guard team got in the first uh, Into the Dark box. It's, it it's just looks like a fire axe, but with like a little power box on the side. So you know it's a power weapon. Um, and then also an auto pistol, which that thing you can't aim. You just spray and pray with it. Uh, and then my personal favorite is the Ogryn Skullbreaker. It's uh, the big beefy bruiser class. You get a combat knife that's as big as a sword, and then you get a thump gun, which is uh, it's like a shotgun grenade launcher. Like you shoot a shell, and then it fragments and turns into essentially a shotgun blast. So you can like snipe people from far away with it. And then right at the end of the beta, because it only lasted for a weekend, and I, I was able to get about 10 hours in with my brother. I had a, I was uh, babysitting Bosco because he just got neutered, so I was home all weekend. And so I was able to just sit down and play for a long time. I did get to level 12 and unlock the Ripper gun, which is fucking amazing. Nice. It's a 12-round magazine, three-round burst gun, where it's just a giant shotgun. You're just chewing through hordes with that thing. It's so fucking satisfying. And then they get close and you stab them with a giant bayonet. I was about to ask if it had the um, giant bayonet on it like it does in the fucking game. Oh, and, uh, you know it. And they showed in one of the trailers that they have that uh, like punch grenade launcher thing that the Ogrens can get. You can eventually get the slab shield with them and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's super fun. And uh, unlike Vermintide and Left 4 Dead, uh, you can double up on classes. Like if you wanted to, right. you could That's actually play as... You could actually play as four Ogren Skullbreakers if you wanted to, and you'd be amazing in close range, and as soon as a heavy gunner shoots at you, you're all dead because you have no sniping capacity. So there's a, similar to Left 4 Dead, similar to Vermintide, there are tons and tons of varieties of uh, special forces that you have to fight. So you get your bog standard poxwalkers, which are just zombie idiots with hammers and shit. Uh, you get corrupted guardsmen who kind of like peek behind cover, shoot you two or three times, and then get back. Um, sometimes they fight in squads. Sometimes you find one guy on his own. Uh, and then you start getting the actual special guys. You get a heavy gunner who has a heavy uh, las gun. So once he gets a bead on you, he's kind of like the rattling gunner in Vermintide where he just keeps shooting a continuous line at you, which is a motherfucker. Yeah, in that's this never one, fun. 
because in, in Dark Tide, you can get the broken status. So you're like suppressed, essentially. So if you get shot too much, you become slower and it's harder for you to shoot back. Your aim becomes like wavy. So it's hard to actually have any recourse. So you really have to actually have coordination and teamwork to take care of stuff like that. So it does uh, like, so that's um, why you like the older Battlefield games, like Battlefield 4 and stuff did. Where yeah, like if you're being like suppressed, that, yeah. you get like tunnel vision and your dude starts to just be bad. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot like that, uh, mm-hmm. and they suffer so a class like a sharpshooter. It's, it behooves you to stay in cover as much as you can. If you're getting like an augurin, uh, your special ability is you just charge in. You just dash like thirty meters and just slam into something. Um, so they're really good at like, oh no, that guy's in trouble. Let me just knock this guy right into the fucking stratosphere of my charge attack. Uh, so after the heavy gunner, you get uh, a big muty, which is ex- is exactly the charger from Left 4 Dead 2. It's just a guy with a big arm, charges forward, smashes you into the ground a few times, and then throws you and then charges again. Uh, pretty easy to take care of if you see him coming. Uh, you can usually shoot him from far away. Otherwise, somebody will shoot him when he's on you. Um, you get the Plague Hound, which is the equivalent of the hunter from Left 4 Dead. It'll charge on you and start tearing into you. Super weak uh, once you actually spot them, but they can take you down if you're isolated pretty easily. Uh trying to think of all the other ones there's there's a there's a lot of them honestly oh there's a netter or a trapper he has a net gun so if he runs up to you and you're within like five feet he'll just net you and there's nothing you can do about it once you've been netted you got to wait for somebody else to come and get you out and oh, like uh, the fucking asshole from vermintide the the pack master the yeah exactly but he doesn't like he doesn't waste his time like dragging you away he'll just net you and then he'll run on to the next guy because he essentially has the web gun from necromunda Oh, great. So he can, he can, Fantastic. Yeah, if, if you're not paying attention, he can net the whole team, and it's total bullshit. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll just go off what I can remember. Um, so there's a bunch of other enemy types as well. There are specific types of Plague Ogren. So there is one that's actually just the Plague Ogren, and he's based off of the uh, the Forge World kit that you can get. He's the equivalent of the Rat Ogre in Vermintide, where it's just a big mini-boss that you have to deal with. Um, Kills anybody on their own very easily, but team coordinates on them, kills them pretty quickly, similar to the tank from Left 4 Dead. Um, there's also, like, semi-corrupted Ogren. So there's one that's, uh, I think it's called a Reaper. It has a fuck-off big auto cannon, similar to the heavy gunner that I talked about earlier, but just with way more health. And if you get close, he'll knock your ass out. Uh, there's also another Ogren that's got the slab shield and a shock maul. So it takes some more coordination to get behind him to kill him. Uh, just a lot of stuff like that. So they, they've done a very, very good job of staying pretty true to, like, the Warhammer franchise as a whole. And looking at a lot of the maps and stuff, I really think that um, Games Workshop might have just sent them the 3D models from from like the actual like production of the actual plastic kits because uh, <laughs> a lot of this stuff is 100% spot on. I walked through the Imperium like storage crate that you see on every battlefield that came with the Cargo 8 Ridge Hauler that's come with so many terrain boxes. I walked through that like a hundred times during the, the beta. Um, I saw several places where it's like, oh, this is just that uh, that one ruined citadel thing where it's got the uh, the Sister of Battle statue toppled over. Uh, oh, it, there's that Space Marine statue that everyone has or has a friend that has. It's just a lot of stuff like that. So on top of being super true to the franchise, it's also just a really fun shooter. I had such a good time with that, even just playing with randos, which I normally hate in multiplayer games, but even just playing with random people, most of the time people knew what they were doing and you could muddle together a halfway decent crew and limp through even the worst encounters typically. Um, so it's it's a very, very good uh, continuation of the Vermintide 
slash Left 4 Dead formula. And I'm really bummed it got delayed, but I'm really hopeful that that means it's going to be super fucking good on launch because the beta was really solid. Okay, so uh, <laughs> only problems I really had with the beta were there were some occasional connectivity issues, which it's a stress test beta. That's the it's whole a point beta. of it, trying to find yeah, that. That makes total sense. Only other real problem I had was occasionally it's pretty fucking difficult to spot the special guys. Uh, they're, uh, you know, you see a, guy, a group of trader guardsmen and then it's like, oh, I think there's a heavy gunner in there. I can't tell. Oh, nope, he's shooting at me. Yeah, there's totally one in there. Or like, you know, a squad of pox walkers, pox walkers runs at you and then one of the netters is just in that squad. You can't really see them very easily. They're not like big enough, not quite bright enough colors to tell. My colorblind ass can't distinguish if they have like, oh, this one has bright green lenses so you can't tell. So that's how you know he's the netter or whatever. So that might be a me thing, but uh, it was my only real big non-connectivity issue that I had to worry about in the game. But uh, eventually you kind of got the feel for it. So I, I was mostly prepared for it after a certain point. But uh I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a fucking solid game, especially since it's starting at a price tag of $40. And if you don't want to actually give them specifically money, it's on Game Pass on launch. It's going to be great. Go play it. Uh, Is it, do you know if it's console as well or is it just PC? No idea. (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully it's console as well. And then I can play a crossplay with you guys. Yes, hopefully it's like Vermintide in that regard. But uh, super excited. Definitely keep an eye out for Darktide. Watch some videos of people play and see if it's your kind of thing. It's uh, It was a real good time. That was 10 hours very well spent. Cool. Oh, man. So uh, so definitely recommend it, huh? Oh, 100%. I'm, it's going to be a blast. I'm gonna. It's going to be like Vermintide or Left 4 Dead. I'm going to put hundreds of hours into it over the next few years, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, dude... Just me, you, and Joseph playing Vermintide was a goddamn blast. Uh, once you throw laser rifles into that, I'm on fucking board. Yeah, the last gun uh, they made feel pretty good. It's appropriately weak against special guys and mows down little guys, which, you know, that's what a last gun should do. Yeah, it's exactly what it did in all the stuff, so cool, cool. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Andrew, as I'm sure you know, it is actually spooky season right now. Yes, so, we are six days away, no, seven days seven. away from Hollow's Eve. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do a little segment in here that is uh, not technically Warhammer related, but that's okay, because it's going to be a good one. All right, are you familiar with how a football draft works? Um, sort of, kind of. Have, I have seen them happen before. Why don't you explain it for those of us that don't know, which is definitely not me. Yeah, which is definitely Andrew, football extraordinaire. So yes, basically, I am known to know the rules of hand egg. You are known to foot the ball occasionally. Indeed. Uh, so how a draft works is you have a mass of players, and then each team would take turns selecting one of those players. Think like picking teams in kickball. You know, when we were always picked last as kids, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was good. never last, but I was, like, yeah. last three. Yeah, we're, def- def- we're definitely at the bottom half. Uh, the yeah. good kids get picked at the first. That's what you want. Is you want your top picks to be your first picks. Okay? Okay, okay. So, uh, but instead of people, uh, we're going to do fucking horror movies. Spooky. All right. Yeah, spooky scary. So, pick your movie. Tell okay. a little bit about it if you want to. And defend why it's your choice there. Sound good? Okay, so... Before we start, 
we have to get the obvious one out of the we way. Do. do we want to just do we do we just want to do one big neutral one right at the beginning? Yeah, because we both have the exact same number one pick because it's the greatest movie ever, scary movie or not. Okay, so we're gonna just start off with John Carpenter's The, the Thing. Because it's is the best movie. Definitely one of our absolute favoriteest horror movies of all time. I just recently bought the Blu-ray. It's fucking fantastic. So good. I watched it the night. Uh, I learned yesterday day before yesterday daniel hasn't seen it yet so i'm gonna get to watch it twice in october hell yeah i yeah. watch that movie at least three or four times a year i usually watch it on halloween mm-hmm. and then i usually watch it uh it very rarely snows in georgia but if it does if i'm not hanging out with people i usually watch the thing yeah when it's dark and cold i watch the thing because it's perfect yeah Ah, it's so good. So, for those of you that are unaware of this masterpiece of filmmaking, basic premise is a team of Norwegian scientists digs up a crashed spaceship, and uh, there's a fucking alien on it, and uh, it's a shapeshifter, and if it eats you, it can turn into you. And chaos ensues. Yeah. That's all you really need to know. It's a fantastic movie. Go watch it. Maybe if you don't like tons of really gross gore, don't watch it. Because uh, every time the monster transforms, it's fucking disgusting. Uh, oh, because it's a shapeshifter, it doesn't have like a defined shape. It's not like, a, oh, it always turns into a, you know, a wolf man or something. It's just like, oh, this time to escape, I'm going to grow like four crab legs and a bunch of weird tentacles and this giant tooth maw. And every time it pops up, it looks completely different. You have no idea what's going to happen with it. It's always a completely different thing every single time. Yeah, it's it's got an all-star cast of Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, and Keith David as its three main guys. Wilford, Wilford Brimley without a mustache, which is more unsettling than the monster. And I believe pre-diabetes. Uh, if not pre-diabetes, then very quickly after diabetes, although I don't know when he was diagnosed. Fair enough. But the uh, the one real thing that makes this movie stand out is it's all practical effects. Yes. It's like the monster, the monster transformation. It's all practical. And that makes it fucking awesome. There's like one scene at the very end that's stop motion, but everything else is puppets and props. They It's essentially like that peak point in the 80s where they couldn't really do CG of any sort yet. And so they just used every trick in the book to make everything they could think of. And it's all so good. All right. Good so soundtrack, Andrew, good yeah. atmosphere, oh, good sense of dread. Great atmosphere and soundtrack. Good sense of paranoia. It's just a fantastic horror movie, fantastic spooky movie all across the board. That's why both of us chose it and why both of us agreed at the beginning of this that neither of us were going to say it. Right. Uh, uh, also, if you go to watch it on a stream service or something like that, be advised, there is another movie called The Thing that's from 2011 that is technically a prequel to it. It's okay for what it is. No, it's not. It's a. It's essentially The Thing, the 1982 version, but like sped up times three and just way worse. It's CGI a lot. But they yeah, were so as like, faithful to the original as they could have been with what they had. It's it's just a remake of the thing, which is in no, itself. No, it's not. It's not a, a remake. remake it's of a the prequel to it. No, I know that, but it's a remake. Like they do, they beat for beat, they do everything that the first movie does, but worse. Yeah, fair. Okay, it's more action, <laughs> less horror. Yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> but I digress. Yes. Uh, so Andrew, I will let you start. You take first pick of the 2022 Halloween movie draft, scary movie draft. Oh, uh, 
I get to choose the first proper spoop. Okay, well, we're going to go with one near and dear to my heart. I, uh, I tend, you know, talking about the thing, I tend to like my stuff, aliens and sci-fi, so I'm going to go with the 1970s classic of Alien, which is... Nice! Uh, one of the movies that just sort of defined the genre after a point. I mean, it's it's it uh, it was such an all star coming together of ideas and concepts. Like there, it it made so many careers. Like this thing was a juggernaut when it released. It's still in the cultural zeitgeist with ever increasingly bad sequels and prequels and spinoffs. But there are two very good Alien movies: Alien and Aliens. Aliens is an action movie that has <laughs> horror elements, but the first one is just a straight up horror. And boy, does it build such an incredible sense of dread. It does that thing. You know that thing that movies used to do where they built up to what was going to happen and gave you like characters and stuff and like people you cared about before bad things happened to them? That's the first 45 minutes of the movie. You're just hanging out on the ship and they get this distress call and you're like, oh man, we got to go check out this distress call. What's going on? And then the alien thing happens and people start dying in the most horrifying ways you can think of. And you actually care because they spent a while developing the characters. But, uh... I digress. Um, similar to the thing, it's a fantastic, incredible movie. Tons and tons of wonderful practical effects. This awesome alien suit, which they did the perfect thing, where uh, they didn't show it for more than like two seconds because mm-hmm. it's really janky looking when you look at the production shots. But those two second shots they do are really scary. Uh, the ship, the Nostromo that they're on, uh, which is like this mining vessel, which just just hauls tons and tons and tons of ores across the galaxy uh is like imagine like a steel factory in space essentially it's the most like grungy industrial setting there's like random pipes just dripping everywhere there's just bursts of steam it's just like a haunted house in space it's fantastic you never know what's going to come around the corner oh no the alien might be in the vent fuck we got to go and try and crawl and catch this thing in the vent in the dark in its environment it's such a tremendous buildup of dread it's such a fantastic movie and i recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it or has seen it maybe watch it again it might have been a few months or years yeah it's solid solid franchise in general Mm. <laughs> well, two of the movies are good, but <laughs> uh, I thought I Prometheus say, was an enjoyable watch. Oh, okay, it, so it was an enjoyable Alien watch. Is good. Alien is good. Aliens is good. Alien Three: The Director's Cut is watchable. It's yeah. not great, but it's watchable. Alien Four is a giant turd. Uh, I forgot all, all Alien about versus- Alien Four. <laughs> Yeah, because it's fucking terrible. Uh, all the Alien vs. Predators movies are terrible. Prometheus would have been good were it's, were it its own goddamn movie and didn't have anything to do with the Aliens franchise. It's just convoluted and stupid at this point. And then Alien Covenant is a fucking train wreck of a film. It's so goddamn stupid. Uh, it also spawned Alien Fireteam Elite, which is a hell of a fun game. It's a fun game. It's... <sighs> Like, at its core, it's a good franchise. It's just had a lot of very stupid shit attached to it at this point. Fair enough. Uh, but anyway, what's your pick, Tony? All right. My number one pick is also a horror movie from the late 70s, directed by George A. Romero. He's had a lot of zombie hmm. movies, but this one holds a special place to me, and that is his original uh, Dawn of the Dead. It's, you know, it's your classic, shit's already kind of hit the fan a little bit. It's not, oh, the zombies are just popping up. They've kind of already been popping up a little bit. 
and it's a group of people. Uh, it's like a, a radio station employee, his girlfriend, some SWAT guys that like steal a helicopter, and the majority of the movie takes place in like a mall shopping center kind of thing. And it's just, shit just gets increasingly worse and worse and worse. Does the same thing like Alien does, where it starts off, it makes you feel for the characters, you get to know the characters, and then you just watch them just one by one getting just ripped to fucking shreds by zombies. And like, it's just, to me, it is the peak good zombie horror movie. So... There was a lot of the the of the dead, you know, you've got your Day of the Dead, your Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead, all of those. Um, the original Day of the Dead is good. The new Day of the Dead with John Leguizamo is not, you know. Cause, oh, what that was that Land of the Dead? Or was that Land of the Dead that had that him? I think it might have been Land of the Dead I that think... had him. Yeah. But the, Land the, of the Dead's awful. Yeah, the newer ones as a whole weren't very good. Except for the new Dawn of the Dead. It wasn't bad. That is Zack Snyder's most competent movie. Yes, agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with Tony. Day of the Dead is a fantastic it's movie. So it's good. It's one of the only instances in recent memory of someone who essentially invented a brand new monster. Like there's been you know, there's been voodoo zombies and stuff like that, but he's the first time. It's the first time that someone's like, oh, freshly raised zombie might be a virus, might be something else. Nobody's super sure. But if you destroy the brain, cut off the head, burn the body, or whatever, that's how you get rid of it. You know, if it bites you, you become infected with whatever it is, and you become a zombie. If you've you know, it's it's really interesting from that point of view because it's it, you're seeing mythology develop in this really interesting way. Yeah, and, and then what uh, I really like specifically about this one of Dawn of the Dead is that mm. all the bad guys aren't just zombies. Like there's yeah. human bad guys in there, and like it, it was you know it's kind of like how The Walking Dead. Like you get to see just how fucked up people become in a situation like that and it, it does it so well and you get to see how the group devolves and becomes you know basically like the guys they were fighting kind of in the midside in parts of it i just remember that biker scene where one yeah. biker thought hey you know it'd be really fun uh let's throw a pie in a zombie's face yeah <laughs> okay or, yeah. let's take the time to stop and jump in a, a blood pressure cufflink and just get eaten by zombies because i can't move <laughs> Yeah, there were some weird moments in it. So George Romero, as a as a director, he was actually really big on like just shoot stuff that sounds fun and we'll make it in editing. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of just really goofy shit like that because it was just fun and they had them mauled themselves, and that just happened to make it into the movie. Yeah, and it, it's but, another uh, one of those yeah. movies like Alien, like The Thing. It's just classic practical effects, and practical effects yep. are great fucking movies. And I will say, if you really like that, uh, Day of the Dead, the follow-up, is yeah, also... Yeah, on, on the island? Uh, uh, it's in Florida. I don't know if it's on an island. I thought it was but, in... Um, I think it was in Cuba. But it's, uh, it's on par with with Dawn of the Dead, I would say, because it's uh, well after the zombie apocalypse has taken place. Most people are dead, and it follows like uh, this research uh, group of scientists in like a military base, and they're being overlooked by a few of the remaining military people. And it's, again, the 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 just the group falling apart and, and giving into stress and paranoia and uh, really ramping up the zombie effects in that one. That's when, that's when it really hits its yeah. peak. Cause in the first one you can tell they were running out of budget and like, Oh, that zombie's green. That zombie's gray. Yeah. Fuck it. Who cares? Whatever paint we can afford at the time. But uh, 
Oh, they really perfected the it. Fucking, the fucking hand gets, scene where they just come out of the wall when she's oh god. Oh, that's, that's when it gets Jesus. That's Christ. when it gets real gross. You get that one dude who gets torn in half, and like you can hear his voice box being shredded, so his voice gets weirdly high pitched as they're tearing his head off. It's so fucking gross. But is that, it's so is that the good one where the dude gets it. bit and he just fucking chops his own arm off? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's uh, pretty near the beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was in yeah. Florida. For some reason, I thought it took place like on an island off the coast of Florida. Uh, I'm sure there's some zombie movie that you're confusing yeah, it with. There's, there's, there's been a few of them at this point. That's fair. There's been one or one or two. Uh, so yeah, that's Just that's my that's my number one draft pick. Romero's original Dawn of the Dead. All right, Andrew, number two. What All you right. got? Who's who's second? All right. Well, uh, we're gonna mix it up. We're not we're not going sci-fi this time. We're doing some proper spoops with some ghost stories. We're doing uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Nice. That was that was one of yes. mine, but it was a little farther down in my pickings. I uh, I actually rewatched that this weekend, and boy, does that movie hold up. Oh, yeah, it's it just ah, uh, that's it's what happens when you get a few really good actors and a. A genuinely certifiable crazy person as a director, but who has a really good eye for cinematography. Yeah. So uh, for those of you that don't know the story, it's about Jack Torrance and family, his wife, Wendy, and his son, Danny. Uh, they are hired to be caretakers for the Overlook Hotel, which is a r- very remote Colorado hotel. Uh, they are there for five months over the winter to do maintenance, make sure nothing happens to the place, keep the boilers running so that way the place doesn't freeze over and cause more issues, et cetera, and so forth. Um, the uh, beginning of the movie, the guy's like, well, I have to tell you before you take this job, Mr. Torrance, that uh, the former caretaker went fucking crazy and killed his family and then himself. Is that okay? And Jack's like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes the job and uh, turns out the place is real fucking haunted and they get to deal with that and uh, 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 Jack going slowly more and more crazy as the movie goes on. Jack Nicholson plays such son, a good crazy person. He's so good. They don't, I don't know if they could have gotten a better person during that time period to play that role. Um, his wife, Wendy, is played by Shelley Duvall, who does a very good, like, weirdly frail but also very strong character like she's there for her son when she needs to be but she always looks like she's about to fall apart at the seams at any time because everything is just going wild around her her son danny has uh this like latent like psychic ability so he's extra sensitive to the ghosts and stuff he meets the cook of the overlook hotel before everything goes down and he tells him that he's got the shining which is what his grandma called people who had this ability and it's just them dealing with this super spooky haunted place and danny's having visions of like the elevator opening and like this wave of bloods coming at him just horrifying shit it's another one of those movies that's it's like two hours and 15 minutes or something like that and the first hour and 45 is just building dread and more and more weird uncanny shit is happening and Danny's seeing creepier stuff and Jack starts seeing the ghosts too because he's slowly going crazy and Wendy's just kind of there just like what is happening why is everyone going crazy and then it all just goes off a fucking cliff at the end yeah, and it's goes a off wild the ride rails. it's so it's so good based on a Stephen King novel uh, very different ending from the Stephen King novel. Apparently Stephen King actually disowned the movie, which is a real shame because it's better than the book. Although I did read the book and I did actually like it. It's one of his more competent uh, books because he actually could kind of end that one. It ended fairly well. Um, 
but the, the movie's hands down better. Like that's that's a landmark of cinema on top of just horror film. Um, and it's not part of my pick, so I'm going to go off into it for a second. Uh, the sequel that came out in Dr. 2019, Doctor Sleep, shockingly good. I yeah, the book was really good. I was I was about to ask you about that if you've read that one. No, very. I solid. didn't read that book. Yeah, yeah, very but solid. like the the movie. It has Ian McGregor in it, Ewan e- e- McGregor in it, uh, fucking Obi-Wan himself as uh, old Danny Torrance. And it's it's a weird sequel, but like it fits in with the setting very well. Mm. And it's it's genuinely a good movie, like solid four out of five. Yeah. I watched it, uh, I, I pretty much did a back-to-back viewing where I watched The Shining and Doctor Sleep. And it actually, it's Ooh, that very was a good. Long it's afternoon. <laughs> I was doing basing. That's how I got the uh, <laughs> the night bases and my uh, my Chaos Legionnaire bases done. It was it was a long night, but uh, yeah, The Shining, very good. If you want just a good spoopy ghost movie, yeah, that was uh, that was my number three. But yeah, for sure, solid movie. Oh yeah. All right. Well, how about you? What's next, Tony? All right. So my number two. Uh, now I'm going to jump it over to the sci-fi side. Uh, and I bet Andrew's going to know this one when I say the first two actors in it. And that is Lawrence mm. Fishburne and yep. Sam Neill. Yeah. <laughs> and that is Event Horizon. That is uh, a fantastically creepy sci-fi movie. Uh, basically, the plot uh, of... What's up? Oh, nothing. Go, go on. I'm just yeah. laughing to myself over here. What? <laughs> it's... yeah. We'll talk about it. Go on. <laughs> okay. I, I love this fucking movie. Uh, basically, it's like twenty. The takes place in twenty forty seven. Uh, there's a ship called the Lewis and Clark, which I hate the name of the ship. Uh, they're on it. They realize that there's another ship called the Event Horizon, which had this experimental, uh, functionally warp drive that would tear a hole in reality to get faster than light travel. Uh, and they just find it abandoned seven years after. They go to investigate it, and as they're on the ship, like just shit starts going wild. Uh, holes in reality have opened up. People have gone crazy. Uh, Sam Neill plays a really good crazy person as well. But uh, it's just... It's 40k horror is what it is, really. Like, it's it's very, you know, jumping through the warp through hell to try and go faster. It's... Uh, I don't really know how to describe it other than the fact we watched it with Joseph... And we didn't know at the time that Joseph didn't like horror movies. And I don't think Joseph actually saw any of the movie. It was that good. <laughs> but what, 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 uh, what, what do you have to say about this, Andrew? What? It is a, uh, a wonderfully cheesy movie. I'll yeah, say There's but it's good. Some, it's, uh... it's, it's peak though. <laughs> There's some interesting choices made with it for sure. I think it's from the guy who directed the uh, the Mortal Kombat movie from the '90s, so uh, he's he's uh, he's got some choices when it comes to cinematography Paul, and directing. Paul Anderson for sure. directed. I don't know what else he directed, but I can find out. I think uh, I think the Mortal Kombat movie, and then maybe oh, the Resident, Resident Evil. Evil, the Three Musketeers movie, the yeah, Monster so Hunter like, movie. So, like, make of that what you will. Uh, I will say Event Horizon is probably his most competent movie. Fuck, Alien um, vs. Predator. Yeah, yeah. Ah, he did he's, Death he's Race. Got the... Sure. Death Race was alright. 
it was all right. Um, no, I, it's it's one of those movies that, like, if you think about it as a 40K prequel, it's actually a lot better, I think, because it's like, oh, uh, you know, it's the first time they encountered the warp and they accidentally traveled through it, and this is before they knew they need to make a Geller field and have shielding from, from the fucking demons in the warp and stuff like that. And the the crew of the event horizon going crazy because they went through hell mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of very cool ideas in it uh it's a very 90s movie oh though. yeah no it's it's cheesy 90 90s effects but it's still a good movie uh, i love it an okay love movie it. yeah yeah no i will not say it's bad but I, i'll put it at okay I love it. it's got a lot of nostalgia for me as well which probably taints it some but i still love that fucking movie Alright, what's what's your uh, number what's your number three then, Andrew? Okay, okay. Uh so this was a recent watch for me. Uh another sci-fi one that uh I didn't really expect too much from, but I heard a lot of really good praise around it. It's uh what year was it? I think 2017, 2016. Uh either way, it is Annihilation. Have you ever heard of this seen this one, Tony? Um I think so. Who's in that? I'm pretty sure I've seen that. So Lead actress is Natalie Portman, but it's also got uh, Tessa Thompson in it. And uh, is that poof, the weird I bubble? Actually... I feel like there was a weird bubble in it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, there's I, a weird I... bubble in it. Eh. Twenty eighteen. Um, Oscar Isaac's in it. Uh, Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, a few pretty yeah. well named, pretty pretty well up there actors. Um, I think this was an extremely interesting movie. Um, so the basic premise is there's this uh, meteor crashes, I think also in Florida, actually, but everything's going wrong in Florida in these horror movies. <laughs> uh, meteor crashes, and there's this like weird energy field that comes off of it. And the, the, the bubble that forms from it is like continuously growing. And, you know, with good reason, everybody's getting more fucking worried because everything that goes into the bubble doesn't come back out. And so these scientists are trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. So Natalie Portman and her research team are sent into the bubble to figure out what the fuck is happening and what happened to previous teams. And it's just kind of seeing crazier, weirder, more uncanny shit as they go on. There's definitely some creepy, like, alien shit happening in there you're not sure what it is but it's not like alien like grays or like the movie the alien or anything it's just like just really unsettling out there shit happening like dna melding like you know people turning into trees and like monsters being made from the various creatures that have uh, been trapped in this bubble and the bear scene that happens later on i'm not going to spoil that but it's more one of the more terrifying and unsettling things i've seen in movies in a long time because I'm not really a horror guy. It doesn't really, it's like most stuff doesn't really scare me. And that scene in particular definitely unsettled me. And then the end of the movie, you experience this alien entity that feels properly alien. Like it's, it's most of the time you just get like, you know, weird humanoids and shit in movies with aliens. But this one is just this bizarre thing that's really hard to process. It's like this weird fractal thing. It's a very interesting, I, I, I kind of need to rewatch it now that I'm talking about it. I haven't seen it in a few years. It's really good. Definitely definitely worth a watch. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think it's well worth looking into. Yeah, I, I remember watching that one when it came out, and it was just kind of meh to me. Like it, I think it's one of those ones that the more you watch it, like two or three viewings, you get a lot more out of it each time. Maybe. 
But either way, like I said, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I really like it. And it's another one, another one that I think would be a stealth 40k prequel because a lot of the stuff that happens in the bubble feels like some weird Zinchian shit happening. There's a lot of like chaos mutation stuff happening in it. So that combined with Event Horizon, I think they could be set in early Warhammer uh, setting. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, what's your next one, Tony? So my number three pick is also a Stephen King one. And I think it's it might be better than The Shining when it comes to adaptation. Mm. Uh, and that is Misery. Oh, have I you ever seen Misery? I haven't actually seen Misery. Okay, so the plot of Misery is there's this author. Uh, he's driving and just oh, fuck. I want to say it's Wyoming. It, it's the middle of fucking. It's probably Maine. It's a Stephen King book. It's probably in fucking Maine. But he he gets into a car accident. And Kathy Bates, like, finds him. Uh, her character's name is Annie, I think. But she finds him and rescues him. Turns out that she's a huge, huge fan of the series he's writing. And he ba- she basically just locks him up uh, and makes, makes him write the stories for her. Uh, he starts to heal and she fucking re-breaks his legs and chains him to the bed so he can't escape. Uh, what he learns that, like... He, he was writing out her favorite character, one of the heroines in the book. She fucking loses her mind. And it just, like, the twist and turns in that movie is she just goes increasingly crazier and more off the rails and more violent towards him is really good. It is one of those movies that, like, when you finish watching it, you just sit there and go, what the fuck is wrong with people? It, it's good shit, dude. Uh, Stephen yeah, King actually liked that adaptation of it. He was like, yeah. It was one of the few he's actually endorsed. It's one of those like cultural zeitgeist films where like I've seen the leg breaking on TV before. Yeah. I've just never actually sat down and watched the movie. Because I think uh, Kathy Bates won an Oscar for that role, if I remember um, correctly. Probably. It was very good. Like, very good. I'm trying to find where it fucking took place because watch it be goddamn Florida. <laughs> no, because there's yeah, snow. It was, it was in the snow. I think Where it's probably Midwest somewhere. Place? Colorado, of course, Colorado. Hey, Colorado or know, Maine. The only place Stephen King bases fucking say, books. I'm shocked it's not Maine. It's a Stephen King book. I know, I was too. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Andrew, if you haven't seen that one, you, you need to. It's it's good shit, dude. Okay. I think it's on HBO Max. I might watch that oh. one before uh, before the weekend. It's good to know. All right. What's, uh, what's your number four? All right, so the vast majority of the stuff on the rest of my list is, like, horror comedies. So I'm going to do one of my last, like, actual horror ones. And uh, another one that a lot of people probably haven't necessarily seen, but Train to Busan. Uh, have you seen this one, Tony? It's the, it's the zombie, just the Korean film with the zombies, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's, like, it's probably one of the better zombie movies that have been out there, honestly. Like, because zombie movies are such an overdone trope at this point. It's one yeah. of those things where it's, like... You know, I put it on because I was like, I just want something spooky, whatever, in the background. But, like, I didn't expect anything zombie bullshit. This one was actually shockingly good. It yeah, is a genuinely I've, solid zombie movie. I've seen it in the background. Like, it's, it's, it's it was one of those I, I popped on, then it was just background noise for me. 
It was one of those ones where I popped it on and then I just sort of watched it instead of doing whatever else I was going to do. Uh, really good story about his uh, a parent trying to get his daughter to a different city where the mom of the family is. Um, it's been a bit since I watched it. I forget if they're separated or if they're just, you know, you know he's away for the weekend or whatever. But uh, it's just the chaos of trying to reunite the family and get his daughter to a safer place. And the whole thing takes place on trains and train stations and how fucking horrifying that is in a zombie setting because you're dealing with these super crazy cramped confines uh and just this slowly dwindling cast of characters it's you know it's all the zombie tropey stuff but done super super well um you know it's korean so you have to read subtitles so if that's not your cup of tea then just pull the ripcord and don't even bother but uh for those of you who care to read occasionally it's a really really solid zombie movie well worth watching probably genuinely one of the better ones in like the past 20 years or so i would say yeah, I, I really need to give it a, a full, solid chance. Is it? I liked it a lot. Definitely yeah. going to see about watching it again soon. Is it, um, is it streaming on anything that you know of? I think it was on one of those weird free streaming services. Like I think it was on like Peacock the Roku free Freebie channel. Or some bullshit. Or fucking Pluto TV or one of those <laughs> weird ones. Okay. I don't know. 500 billion streaming services to say. Oh, it's on the internet somewhere. Oh. So my next right. one is a slasher classic. Uh, which I guess there's technically three of those, but I think this is the better of them. And that is the Ooh. original 1978 Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. Hey. It's, man... The, uh... What's up? The, the originator of the slasher genre. Yes, yes. It was the original slasher flick. Uh, I did enjoy uh, Friday the 13th. I, I like the second one better than the first one, honestly which is weird. Uh, but the original Halloween, uh, Michael Myers, it's your, you know, your classic slasher flick. He's got the fucking white mask. I mean, it's, I, I don't know what more you could say about this movie. It is the classic fucking slasher movie. And it's a John Carpenter movie. So it's automatically good. <laughs> well, it's not inherently true. He's made some stinkers, but most of his what, ones what before stinker the 90s he made good. Besides Ghost of Mars. I was about to say Ghost of Fucking Mars. Uh, vampires with James Wood. What? Vampires was great. You take that the fuck back. I will not. <laughs> I will take it Podcast back as soon as James Wood wears Andrew, his this friendship has as soon died as James Woods wears his pants like a normal person. <laughs> He's got his pants up to his fucking nipples. He's such an old person in that movie. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Uh, let's see. Other bad ones. Uh, Escape from L.A. Oh. <laughs> uh, Nobody draws their gun till this can hits the ground that he shoots them all. My gun was already in my hey. hand. Tony just said the only good scene of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what about Escape from New York okay, that takes yeah. place in the far future of 1996? <laughs> That's a fun one. I mean, he's made plenty of great movies. Don't oh. get me wrong. He's also he's just also had some stinkers. But anyway, back to Halloween. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so... Basically, uh, the base plot of it, it's like the early 60s, like 62, 63. Uh, Michael Myers stabs his sister to death. He's institutionalized. Day before Halloween and like the 70s, like 76, 77, uh, he escapes and then just goes on a fucking rampage while the the sheriff and the uh, the shrink are just hunting him down, trying to find him. The just, worst shrink to ever exist. Yeah, seriously. Oh, no, he's, he's harmless. He's not going I could have been wrong. 
He's not going at it from like a scientific point of view. It's just like, well, what's wrong with Michael? Evil, pure evil. evil. Look into his black, soulless eyes and see the sight of evil. It's just like, calm down, Loomis. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it doesn't take place in Colorado or Florida. It takes place in Illinois. Yeah. And it's pretty blatantly filmed in California. Yes, but, you know. No, there's plenty of palm uh, trees in Illinois, Andrew. Yeah. My, one of my other fun favorite things in that movie is occasionally uh, you'll see like just a random wisp of what looks like fog. It's because John Carpenter's just hanging off screen on the camera, just chain smoking the whole time they're filming. Because <laughs> <laughs> that dude's been chain smoking since he was like 14. God, how, how old is John uh, Carpenter now? Like mid 70s, I want to say. But uh, born, yeah, born no, it's, in it's a really forty-eight. So yeah, he's mid seventies. Good call, dude. Uh, the the fun thing about John Carpenter is he's looked like mid seventies since he was like thirty-five. Mid-70s. Probably part partly because of the chain smoking. <laughs> but uh, no, that's it's that's a really fascinating like filmmakers movie. If you want to like look at the backstory of it, mm-hmm. where they they did it on no budget, they had they've had three pumpkins. Because it was California in the summer when they shot it, so there was they could import like three pumpkins, and every scene that has a pumpkin they had to use, and they had to crush that one pumpkin for the the, kid, the scene where the little kid gets bullied. So they're like, "Shit, we got two pumpkins to work with." There's a lot of weird shit like that in the movie. Uh, you know, trivia that probably everyone's know: Michael Myers' mask is a Captain Kirk mask that they turned mm-hmm. inside out and painted white. Um, Fun thing about that movie, though, is the uh, the production guy said it can't have blood. So if you go back and watch that movie, all of the kills are actually very clean. And yeah. so instead of being a big gore fest like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, they actually had to focus on fear and like building dread and making you care about the characters and what happens to them. So that's it's another thing like Alien, like the thing where character comes first. And when that happens, you actually give a shit when they start dying. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at all of John Carpenter's other stuff. Uh, and his worst two that he has directed are The Ward, which I've never seen. Same. And Ghost of Mars. Yeah, but for every Ward and Ghost of Mars, you get a The Thing, you get a They Live, you get an Escape from New York. A uh, Christine, mean, he's, he's... a Prince of Darkness, a Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, fucking love Big Trouble in Little China. Not a horror movie, but it's really no, good. yeah. The Fog. Um, I don't think I've seen the original The Fog. Neither have I. Not part of my list, but uh, In the Mouth of Madness is uh, another John Carpenter movie that's really solid, also with Sam Neill. He wrote that, though, not directed it, correct? I don't know. Good question. It's not on his um, director th- credits. Who did Who did that? Because that was, what, that was like 90... Oh, no, it is. It is on his director credit. 94. Okay. Yeah, that's a John Carpenter. But um, yeah, it's it gets a little eh at the end, but there's some really good moments. Very creepy, Lovecrafty and stuff. Uh, obviously, poking fun at Stephen King in it too, because it's mm-hmm. about a writer whose uh, books are starting to become real and stuff. But uh, that's a very fun one as well. So just in general, go check out John Carpenter stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like fucking Carpenter or Romero are just the kings. How many is that? Have we done four each or five each now? Oh, that I was four remember. each. You're on. You're on to your number five now. Um, number five. Okay, okay. Uh, well, we're gonna start with the spooky one, or the the funny spooky ones. Then so I feel like I know spooky. which one this one is because I've been avoiding it because I know it's on your list. Oh, really? Is it uh, happened to be directed by a nice Mister Sam Raimi? Because I'm picking Evil Dead Two. Okay. No. All right. Cool. Then I'll use my number five pick as the other one that I thought you were gonna pick. Well, then I think I know which one you're picking. So, Sharknado. Uh, evil. Yes, definitely. <laughs> 
So Evil Dead 2, um, it's essentially just a remake of Evil Dead 1, but with a slightly higher budget, which still really isn't that much. But um, it's about a character named Ash Williams and his friends who go and hang out at a cabin. Hey, turns out the cabin was in, uh, lived in by a, a scientist archaeologist at some point, and he just done gone and dug up an evil book called the Necronomicon. And they're like, hey... Let's check out this weird evil book. And then they read it. And then crazy dead stuff starts coming out of the ground and killing them. And then he has to fight zombies and demons and all kinds of wacky shit. And it is just a a weird mix of like kind of unsettling weird horror imagery and then just straight comedy. Because they they knew they couldn't keep it straight the entire time. They had to go wacky with it. Uh, Especially when you have someone like Bruce Campbell. I don't know if he can be a serious actor even if he wanted to. But he's he's perfect for this he was, role. he was serious in it a couple is. of episodes of burn notice oh well he'll always be ash williams to me though no matter Fair what enough. Enough. <laughs> uh this one's definitely just like a goofy horror classic it's got uh you know you can tell it's very low budget there's a lot of like weird stop motion stuff in it but they do a little bit of the like you know every trick in the book stuff to make the monsters work there's a lot of creepy like hallucination scenes where like ashes in the the house and then like the taxidermy deer heads are like laughing at him and freaking out and so they got these goofy puppets going on and there's these creepy deadites that are constantly stalking him there's a, a horrifying one that's in the basement of the house constantly trying to get out it's a it's a fun one for sure it's one of those ones where it's old enough now that like uh it probably wouldn't really scare anybody younger than like or older than like teenager or anything but it's well worth watching just to get you in kind of the halloween vibe uh especially because there's just ridiculous amounts of gore in it like comedic amounts of gore hilarious amounts of gore so it's it's fun to watch just for that that the first one that was the first one that was definitely a uh, product of the late 70s for sure Well, don't worry, it survived in the remake, the, the other remake of The Evil Dead that was in the mid-2000s. Oh, the 2013, yeah. 2013 one that I did yeah. not watch? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't I terrible. Heard it was, I heard it was okay, yeah. yeah. But, it was uh, okay, yeah, anyway. Evil Dead 2, super fun. Um, and it leads directly into another super fun one, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. Our Ash goes back in time for some reason and has to fight the Deadites with King Arthur, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, that one's just straight smart. comedy. Shop uh, smart. There is no core to that movie. It is pure comedy, and it's great. And it has some amazing one-liners. If you've played a Duke Nukem game, you've heard a lot of quotes from Army of Darkness. (laughs) And from They Live, another John Carpenter movie. Great John Carpenter movie. Not really a horror movie, though. Uh, All right, well, what's your fifth and final one? Uh, So my fifth and final also branches into the horror comedy of it. Uh, And it's a fantastic movie. And I think... The one that Andrew thought I was going to say might not be the one that he thinks. Uh, oh, this we'll one, I have several several ones on my list. I'm sure this one's be. on your list. It's got to be. Uh, it's Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Bill Murray. Uh, and that's going to be Zombieland from 2009. I was wrong on all accounts. Really? It's I like that movie, but it's, it it almost never crosses my mind when I watch Halloween stuff now. Oh, I, I think it's because I saw it around this time of year, so it just kind of sticks with me. Hmm. Uh, but you know, it's a zombie movie, so whenever we do zombie movie marathons, this one always fucking makes us rounds. But uh, basically, the plot is uh, Jesse Eisenberg is the main character. Uh, he plays a character named Columbus. Because that is where he is trying to get home to. He meets up with Woody Harrelson's character, Tallahassee. Because 
that's where he's trying to get home to. Tallahassee starts calling Columbus. Um, then they meet up with Emma Stone's character, which is Little... No, Little Rock's the little sister. What's Emma Stone's character's name? Do you remember? Wichita. Uh, so Emma Stone is Wichita, and her little sister is Little Rock. Uh, and they're basically... Uh, Little Rock and Wichita are con artists that were trying to go across the country to uh, basically Disney World uh, when the zombie apocalypse hit. So they're all trying to get back home to their family. And it's kind of like a, a feel-good comedy movie where, you know, they all hate each other to begin with and they start working together, solve their problems, and work their way to fucking Disney World uh, killing zombies the entire time with a hilarious, like, rule set on ways to do it and, like, best zombie kill. Uh, it's also got fucking Bill Murray in it playing as himself, just as how you would imagine Bill Murray to be. Uh, and he, For, like, ten minutes? For, yeah, but it's a really good ten minutes. Oh, it's a great ten minutes. It's, it's, it's probably the highlight of the movie. Does he have any regrets? Garfield, probably. Yep. But, you know, it's, it's just a fun light-hearted zombie comedy uh, that if you're afraid of clowns, don't watch it. Yeah, there's a couple of really horrifying zombie clowns for Fucking some Christ. reason. It's always got to be a goddamn clown. But yeah, um, you thought I was going to pick Shaun of the Dead, didn't you? Sure did. I did. It was it was a toss-up between those two, uh, but I know that one was going to be on your list, so I stuck this one ahead of it. So why don't you tell us about Shaun it's, of the Dead, Andrew? Because I know that's at least your yeah, top it's, honorable uh, mention. It's one of my honorable mentions. It, it, you know, depending on what day of the week, it could be my top three. It could be my top five. I love that movie to death. Uh, it's essentially about this guy, Sean, who's kind of a lazy guy with no ambition. His buddy, Ed, similar thing, uh, who Sean recently broke up with his girlfriend, and he's super bummed about it. And then also, hey, a zombie apocalypse just happens to start right at the same time. And so he's going to go get his girlfriend back, and he's going to keep her safe during the apocalypse. And it's him gathering his group of friends and family and trying to survive. And it is equal parts uh, tragic zombie zombie outbreak story and fucking hilarious British humor. It is oh, yeah. so funny. I love that movie to death, and I've watched it so many times at this point in my life. It, it is, is literally um, Chekhov's gun, the movie. Oh, my God. It's so good. Like, yeah, every anything they... What's up? That's sorry, I'm just quoting the movie. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the, the whole Chekhov's gun thing, like, if they point it out, it has some form of impact on the plot. And that is literally this entire movie. Like, every key thing they point out, like, 20 minutes beforehand. He even describes the entire plot of the movie in, like, the first five minutes. Oh, there's so many good callbacks. Like Tony was saying, if something's pointed out, it will come up again later and oh, probably yeah. kill a zombie. <laughs> Yeah, that one's that oh. one's great. I love that movie to death. And you know, if you ask me, twenty minutes from now, it might be top five. It might shuffle out Evil Dead. It might shuffle out Annihilation. Who knows? Uh, it could easily shuffle out Annihilation. It's a good movie. It's fine if you didn't like it, but it's a good one. It's better than Event Horizon. You were fucking wrong, viewers. Tell us how wrong uh, Andrew is that Annihilation is a better movie than Event Horizon. Viewers, tell Tony how wrong he is and that I have good taste in movies. I mean, I, I think as a uh, whole, we had solid picks. Those were the only two we were rocky on with one another. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, four out of five is pretty good, honestly. Yeah, 80%. Uh, I, I've All got right, so one other, honorable uh, mention. You got? Well, I've got a couple, but this one 
is the first movie that legitimately scared the shit out of me as a kid. The movie is called Trilogy of Terror. It's also from the 70s. Because apparently I got a real soft spot for 70s horror because that was when it was the best. But I don't remember a whole lot about this movie. But the lady in it gets this creepy as fuck like African voodoo doll looking thing and it just goes it, it basically starts killing her and her family uh it's fucking horrifying just look up the picture of this thing and you will see why this movie calls me nightmares it's the only like horror movie on my list that genuinely scared me because like when i was seven eight years old i was watching halloween and jason and chucky and all that shit with my folks mostly with my uncle and my mom because they love horror movies so like None of those things phase me, but this creepy fucking needle tooth weird thing just, ah, oh, fuck that thing, dude. It's horrifying. Huh. This might actually be the inspiration for some of the enemies in the third act of Diablo 2 when you go to the jungle. <laughs> oh, oh you, you, you looked up the picture of that fucking thing? Yeah, it looks exactly like him. What the fuck are those Nightmarish, things isn't it? Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> Yeah, I've never seen that movie. I have definitely seen that image before. Yeah, it's because that image is horrifying and it's burned into my fucking retinas. Uh, they're just called fetishes, so yeah. I guess they're like little dolls, just like that. Yeah, that yeah. is that is. Now that I'm looking at it, that is almost certainly what they're based on. Well, they have an updated version of them for the the remake, which doesn't yeah, look anything Diablo like Diablo Two. The, yeah, the original versions for Diablo Two look almost exactly like that. Uh, I'm going to regret typing in... Okay, cool. <laughs> like, I'm going to re- regret typing in Diablo 2 Fetish. <laughs> fetish Demon? Well, it doesn't even sound much better, honestly. No, it doesn't. It's because it's supposed to be like a tribal voodoo thing. An, an actual fetish, not a kink. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. That little fucking sprite of it shooting the blowgun is... Is that fucking thing. The Stygian doll. Yeah, fuck that thing. Fuck everything about yeah. that thing, dude. Never, never seen that one. Definitely have no no reference for it. Um, horrifying, Andrew. It's horrifying. Yeah, oh. I got a, I got a few more honorable mentions. We're coming up on about two hours recording time, so we can just rattle them off without yeah, going yeah. into too what, much what detail. You got, what you got? Uh, one that's yeah, another one that's like group paranoia stuff. That's kind of fun. Also based on a Stephen King is The Mist. Yep, um, that was on my honorables. It, it's a good one. It's a real fucking bummer. Uh, I'll just say that, so be prepared for that. Solid um, comedy then, ending to it. Oh, yeah. Real bright spot. <laughs> um, and then all the rest of minor comedy. So, you know, the Mac Daddy of spooky comedy. Fucking Ghostbusters. I mean, that's just Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, all of them just, just being their 80s selves, high on cocaine, talking about ghosts and shooting lasers. It's just a great time. Um Another one that's just a straight comedy that's just a spoof on horror. Tucker and Dale versus Evil is yeah. a fantastic movie. Essentially, uh, Tucker and his buddy Dale are uh, the <laughs> rednecks that you see. In a, well, no, they're they're essentially the rednecks that you see in a bunch of horror movies, but from the rednecks' perspectives. Uh, and then, like, the college kids come into their woods, and they're just, like, hanging out. 
uh, messing with, you know, the, the fishing cabin that they just bought, trying to get it fixed up. And then the college kids just see like these creepy rednecks are like, oh man, what's up with them? And then just like accidents keep happening and college kids start dying. And from their perspective, it's a horror movie. But from the rednecks perspective, they're just like, oh my God, the college kids keep accidentally killing themselves. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> it is hilarious. I love that movie so much. It's got um, Alan Tudyk in it. He's one of the rednecks. Interesting. Yeah, so it's that's a really fun one. And then my last one, if you just want like peak comedy for good spooky time stuff, the movie and the TV show version of What We Do in the Shadows was oh, absolutely so hilarious. Fucking mockumentary Fucking hysterical. about vampires. So funny. It's one of those ones I did not expect anything from, but then it's like, oh, it's from the guys who made Flight of the Concords. Okay, well, that was a fun show. I'll check it out. I love that movie. And the TV show is just as funny i haven't seen the fourth season yet but the first three seasons are fucking hysterical the whole way through 100 percent worth watching the we're werewolves and, uh, not swearwolves line hooked me to that fucking show <laughs> that whole bit right there i was like that is fucking glorious just every time laszlo goes into a bat he just shouts bat uh, <laughs> i can turn into a cat or into an animal but i'm really bad at the faces never get them quite right <laughs> I gotta watch that movie again now that we're talking about spaghetti was turned to worms! Uh, You're eating (laughs) worms. We're just quoting the movie now. What are your other honorable mentions? Uh, Okay, so I've I've got a couple of them. Uh, One of them is Warwick Davis and Jennifer Aniston, Leprechaun. Uh, It's not a good movie, but it's an honorable mention because it spawned the franchise that gave us two beautiful movies, which is Leprechaun 4 into Hood, which is awfully bad it makes it a comedy movie and the other is leprechaun in space where it's warwick davis as a leprechaun trying to fuck an alien yep it's uh <laughs> it's if you have wild. a horror movie franchise go long enough you will go to space it didn't go that long it will be it bad. didn't go that long was that's only... like movie six tony it was like movie five <laughs> just that's a lot of movies tony not for a horror <laughs> franchise I mean, not when you compare it to, like, Friday the 13th or Hellraiser, <laughs> but... Not when you compare it to good fucking horror movies. Ugh. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> uh, I think you have to start in space for it to be good if you're in space as a horror movie. That's fair. Uh, then we've Fuck. got uh, uh. a fantastic one from, from childhood, also based on Stephen King, Silver Bullet, which has Gary Busey it. in it. Is this pre or post Gary BC going fucking crazy? I, I mean, he's always kind of fucking crazy. Uh, I think but, he had a car accident that actually made him crazy. Yeah, but it's uh, it's the main character is this crippled kid in like a a fucking uh, oh my god, like a powered wheelchair, and he's blowing up fireworks on the bridge, and he sees this murder happen, and this thing charges him, he shoots it with a firework, and he hits it in his eyes like it was a fucking werewolf. And, like, no one believes him, and then these murders start getting worse and worse. He's like, listen to me, it was a fucking werewolf. Turns out, it was a fucking werewolf. Hmm. Yes, but, uh, it's bad. Like, it's a bad movie, but it's got some hilarious elements in it. My other honorable mention is another werewolf movie. Uh, I believe it was also either from the late 70s or early 80s, and that's American Werewolf in London. Early 80s. I actually watched that one just a couple weeks ago for the first time. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, it's uh, a guy and his buddy. They're hiking through Europe. Uh, his buddy gets... They, they get attacked by a fucking like wolf thing. Uh, it kills his friend. 
and bites him. And the next morning he's healed up. And just throughout the movie, he just keeps getting visited by the uh, basically decaying body of his friend. And it's just getting more and more gruesome every time. But that fucking werewolf transformation was so creepy and well done that it, it just fucking deserves a place on at least honorable mentions. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fairly funny movie. It's not like, you know, rip-roaring comedy the whole way through, but there's a couple of good spooky elements to it. But yeah, the first time he transforms to a werewolf, oh. like, I, I like I gotta find the, the, the Blu-ray to do the behind-the-scenes on that. I don't know how they fucking did that. That's it incredible. Good. For, like, yeah. 1981 or whenever that movie came out. Yeah, and, like, when, when you watch it, like, oh, uh, it, it's one of those that gives you chills when you see the fucking, like, bends and snaps. Yeah, because you're, like, hearing his bones break into shape and, like, seeing the snout elongate, and it's just, it's downright gruesome. It's, it's, it's man, it's an incredible special effect, like, up there with the thing good. Yeah, it was, oh, God, it was so good. But I, uh, I think that's all of my honorable mentions. Let me just shoot through my list real quick. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my three honorable, I mean, I could go on for days and days about movies that are slightly related to horror and stuff, but those yeah. are definitely the big it's ones. It's funny, because, uh... I uh I wouldn't actually consider myself a horror fan. There's just a lot of horror movies that I happen to like. <laughs> yeah, but you it's know, a, I think, good, I think we hit, it's we a compelling hit the majority genre. of the big ones. Yeah, no, we, uh, you know, and a lot of them are, you know, everybody's seen the thing, everybody's seen Alien, that sort of thing. There's, you know, there's other ones that are like horror related that we could have gone into like Jaws and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, that's just a, not a really like a recent, it's not like a Halloween one. Yeah. A more recent that's supposed to be really good when it's called the descent. Yeah. I've heard good things about that one for sure. Yeah. It's uh, uh, it's I about a lady it. who her husband and daughter die in like this gruesome car accident. And like, she used to be really big into like splunking and stuff. And her friend is like, Hey, you know, let's get the gang back together. Let's go into a cave. Uh, you learn fairly early on that her friend was actually fucking her husband behind her back. And she kind of like got the group thing as a helper with her guilt sort of trip <laughs> and that movie gets pretty fucking wild and off the rails as they get trapped in a cave and there's these weird ghouly underdark motherfuckers killing them yeah they're like fucking troglodyte kind of guys going yeah. after them yeah i I've, i watch one of like the what are like the five minute video guys where they basically just run down a movie in five minutes and tell you if it's worth watching or not but they recommended it we didn't really go off on any vampire movies. I don't think that's is that one that we actually care about at all. I mean, what we do in the shadows. I mean, that's the only one, but like scary vampire movies, I mean. No, we went off on John Carpenter's vampires for a while. It's true. Maybe there aren't many good scary vampire movies. <laughs> you could watch uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, which that's a lot of names before the actual name. <laughs> Which is uh, not a scary movie, but it's really, really interesting and bafflingly weird with Keanu Reeves <laughs> doing the worst British accent in history. Uh, followed uh, very closely by uh, Cameron Diaz's Irish accent in uh, Gangs of New York in terms of terribleness. Fuck, that was bad. That was bad. That was like that was like Lucky Charms Leprechaun bad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I actually... The Bram Stoker's Dracula, I actually like as a movie because there's so many good elements to it. But uh, like when combined, it's not a very good movie. But there's a lot that's very cool about that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Strain. The show's okay. 
The show's okay. The books trilogy was really fucking good. I, I can't even think of any good vampire movies off the top of my head. Yeah, there's not many. They're, they 32 be best like vampire movies of all. Oh, fucking Blade. That's an action movie. I mean, though. yeah, that's not a horror movie. It just has vampires. Uh, Interview with the Vampire. A yeah, Girl right. Walks Home Alone at Night. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, 30 Days Near- of Night. That was a fun movie. That's pretty spooky. Uh, Near Dark is a pretty good one. With, Let uh, the Lance Right Hendrickson. One In. Sweet. Oh, The Lost Boys! Yeah. <laughs> Yep, nothing says scary vampire movie like that scene of the oiled-up muscle guy playing a saxophone. Daybreakers. That was a terrible movie. Yeah. Oh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, peak spooky movie for sure. (laughs) Underworld. None of these are fucking horror movies. Yeah, I think we might have hit our limit. There just might not be any very many good scary vampire movies. You could argue From Dusk Till Dawn was kind of a horror movie. Yeah, kind of. Not really. <laughs> they go to a bar called the Titty Twister. I mean, okay, you yeah. know, there's only so much horror to be had in that movie. <laughs> they even they're, have the scene with George Clooney going, I don't want to hear anybody saying I don't believe in vampires because I don't believe in vampires, but I just killed a goddamn vampire. <laughs> was Dust Tool Dawn the one where he had the fucking pistol in his belt buckle? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that was stupid. <laughs> I couldn't remember if that and was Dust Till Dawn or trying to act. Yeah. Huh, they have Dr. Sleep listed as a vampire movie, which I guess is technically correct. Eh, yeah, technically, yeah. But anyway, Most I think, uh, speaking of vampires, we're getting a, getting a little long in the tooth here on this episode. Ah! <laughs> that was good. Uh, all right. Well, so that's uh, that's our fantasy horror movie draft. So listeners, if, uh, if you think we picked wrong, picked right, or you've got better movies than us, uh, let us know. Or if you've seen one of those movies and have words to add. You know, you can find us on uh, Facebook, which is rarely checked because neither of us really use it. We've got our Discord server if you've got Patreon access. We've also got our email, which is dicelikeicepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on the Instagrams at dicelikeicepodcast. There's also Andrew's Instagram, which is thebrushgoblin, and mine which is the Mediocre Minis Painter. And if you actually want to get in contact with us, definitely do Instagram or the the email, because uh, those are the only social media I do at this point. Yep, pretty much, unless you're on our Discord, in which case we respond to that real quick, real regularly. Yep, Discord is uh, kind of its own thing. It's like a little little pocket forum, so I don't really have to worry about the, uh, the hell of the internet leaking in. <laughs> exactly. Oh, all right, Andrew, we've had two hours to prepare. What advice you got for us tonight? Oh, advice we got. Well, you know, it's it's going to be a real easy one, Tony. Uh, get some candy, turn off the lights, and watch yourself a nice spooky movie this season. Uh, you heard it here first, kid. Turn the lights down low and get snuggly with some spoopies. Thank you again for listening, and have a good night, everyone. Good night, boys and ghouls. <laughs> oh, good laugh. That was a good laugh. I'm I'm actually kind of proud of that one. Yeah. (laughs) Have a good night, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Dice like guys must be nice to play some games with your friends. 
Necromunda makes you wonder how friendships end. So flip that table if you're able and consult your charts and graphs. <laughs> so let's have some fun and get it done. Or you can kiss my ass. Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under DiceLikeIcePodcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to William James for our outro music and Scarlet Saturn for letting us use their music at the intro to our show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.